everybody, and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen. Thank you for being here. I'm joined by Jeff Marchiafava. Hello. Joined by Janet Garcia. Hello. I appreciate the, like, kind of wave you started to get rolling there, Janet, right when we went live. It's, it's a nice visual treat, for, I think, for people on YouTube. I try. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you try physically <laughs> with the waves right when it starts out. We're also joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hey, how's it going? Welcome, Kyle. Kyle, I really like seeing um, on Twitter, at least, that you went back in Chrono Cross and did yeah. the the huge scene that you missed, which, by the way, uh, we've just wrapped up the deepest dive on Chrono Cross, which was a blast. It was like a four-part Game Club series you can find on our YouTube channel. And Kyle, the big recurring theme was we'd all do really cool things in Chrono Cross and talk about it, and Kyle would stare blankly and say, um, I just hit one, two, and three in combat, and then eventually I got credits. I don't know what you're talking about. He missed everything cool in the game. It turns out it's a game that you can miss a lot of big things. For anyone who's like not didn't follow it or doesn't know it, it's basically yeah. like the equivalent of like in Final Fantasy VII if like you lost Tifa early on, maybe, <laughs> and just didn't realize you could get her back. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the the the. the I most, guess so. The, the best way to explain it for people who don't follow Chrono Cross. Basically, like, the, the secondary character, not the protagonist, but the second character. Right. I only played with her for, like, the first few hours and didn't realize I could get her back until much later. And not only that's that, really it's funny. like that you could then get Tifa back, but then it has this extended sequence that's the greatest homage to Final Fantasy VI you could imagine within Final <laughs> yeah. Fantasy VII, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff, um, I know that you joined us for the deepest dive on Chrono Trigger and then, and then not Chrono Cross. If, if you're ever mm. interested, you should try just looking up some of those connections because playing through it again look Kyle we've talked about Chrono Cross enough but I was I was stunned by like man I can't believe I thought they were only lightly connected with a couple of homages because there's some very juicy very good Chrono Trigger stuff in Chrono Cross that I completely forgot about that's fascinating and weird like did you go to Lukia and and the uh, Viper Manor and see that weird note and stuff isn't that crazy yeah it's definitely like you said we've talked about this game enough it's definitely more (laughs) It is more of a sequel than I ever realized. If yeah. that makes sense. I I didn't. I thought it was kind of a sort of a spinoff to a certain degree, but it is a hundred percent a sequel. Yeah. Anyways, check that out on YouTube, everybody. Uh, let's see. Hey, on this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about like the state of the industry, state of the big three, how everybody's looking, everybody's future. We're going to give a pep talk for each um, console manufacturer, so look forward to that. That's coming up from Jeffum in just a couple of few here. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about the Nintendo Indie World big showcase they had. Uh, and then we're going to talk about Gotham Knights. They had a big gameplay demo showing more, ramping up for the big October 25th release of the new DC game. And then back half of the show, of course, we're going to be joined by Sarah Podorsky for some fun community questions. The rest of us will be here, too. We'll lose somebody. Try and guess who it's going to be. I dare you. It'll be a fun... Fun, suspenseful was it the adventure. priest who was actually a gangster? <laughs> That's um, right. And you would understand what Jeff was talking about if you listen to our pre-show by watching this show live by being a Patreon supporter. Uh, hey, Mark Poli wrote in, everybody, wrote in over on Patreon, and they had an interesting thought. They say, is a console war still the right way of phrasing, debating what's going on in the industry these days? We are decades away from the Sega does what Nintendo don't and the whole blast processing thing. Does, the, does this impact the way we, as consumers, think about each console? Are kids still arguing in the schoolyard which console is better? It seems to me like the $70 marquee games wouldn't elicit the same debates as one console having Street Fighter and the other Mortal Kombat, etc. My first instinct reading this question was like, I think they might be right. The whole console wars debate does seem so out of fashion. And then I remembered, yeah, but the internet, though. Yeah, but YouTube <laughs> comments, though. 
I think console competition. It's like a, a down one level from war. I, guess. I don't know. I think there are still plenty of people who will jump in comments and say there are I plenty will. of soldiers who haven't been told that the war is over. <laughs> like, yeah, like the Japanese people in the, in the islands. Jungle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it was like a Captain America and... situation. You know, they were frozen and they woke up and they're like, "This is still what I'm all about." Right, right, right. The the interesting part of that question to me is like, are kids still arguing about? consoles you know yeah it's like i don't think they are because like the games that they talk about are games that are available everywhere and often for free so they're arguing about what's better fortnite or you know roblox PUBG or roblox or whatever rather than like which system is better is it better to play it on pc or xbox that part doesn't i don't think young kids care anymore i think they just want to play the game wherever they can I like that idea that's interesting and it's somewhat telling. It's okay, why are kids only talking about the free cross-platform games? Could that be the way of the future? But I bet there's still, I think you'd be like the cool kid on the playground is say in fifth grade, you're like, I only play PlayStation exclusives. I think you could still get some kid juice kid. leverage. <laughs> I, I think you're right. And then you'd get uh, a swirly, I think is the conclusion to that story. Like, I think, I don't know. It's interesting too. Like, I'm, I'd be curious to know, and I don't know if it's like, a, again, we're not really in different generations. Like, we're all millennials, right? Yeah. Like, oh, big time. So we're not like even in different Whoa, Well, hang on. I guess, hang on. Jeff, I'm, which millennial are you from? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like uh, Gen X before they retroactively said, no, I guess you guys are just millennials. I don't, I don't know how I could be called one generation for like the first 30 years of my life. And then they're like, no, actually, you're just millennials anyway. Yeah. Whatever. And I know how Pluto feels. Enough. Like, yeah. suddenly not a planet. Exactly. I, was it something yeah. I said? It Is was. it me? I can change. <laughs> it was. Um, I like the millennial like, I is had... just like a beast that's like sucking up all the other generations. <laughs> like it really is. Some millennial. people are trying to get out. Millennial is the greatest um, generation, in my opinion. It's now consumed the greatest generation. It's the embracer group of generations. That's horrifying. Um, but I, I really didn't have that experience growing up. Or maybe I just don't remember it. Like, I didn't have anyone say like... I have this and this is the best or whatever. Like I wasn't really around a lot of gamers growing up either though. So I don't, I don't know. Like the gamers I knew, it was like my brother and my friend, my best friend when I was in elementary school, she did have an Xbox, but that wasn't like part of her personality. It was just like, I was like, Oh, you have the Xbox. I don't have this. And I was like, all right, this is halo. Cool. Not that interested. All right, let's do something else. And then we like never played again. Like I drove like a warthog or something for a little while or the little floaty thing. And I was like, all right, I mean, it's different, but that was it. But imagine if, like, it really impressed you. Like, I like that idea. It's probably not the healthiest socially, but I do like that idea of, like, okay, you come over to my house, and then you can play this console, and if you really like the game, then I now get to kind of leech my personality and friendship quality to the quality of the consoles that I own, right? Like, I always wanted to go hang out with my friend Kayla, because, like, well, she's fine, but that Genesis in the basement is smoking. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, I, I had I had an N64 pretty early, and that prompted friends in the neighborhood to, like, come see it. You know, they were like, oh, he's got an N64. Let's right. go check it out. And you charge tickets at the door? Well, yeah, I just assumed yeah. that went without saying. No, that's right. It's good gaming. I mean, you've got... kids have kids have disposable income to spend on tickets to go look at a video game. It's like, hey, we all know now. that your someone has like a purse or a wallet. You know, they keep a couple bucks in there. Like, <laughs> yeah, make right. it make it work for you. My cousin did have um. I think like some Sega stuff and like the few times I was over there, that was kind of cool because we really only had eventually we got to the big two. That's why like when Xbox came on the scene, I was like, well, we don't have a third sibling. So there's just no <laughs> Xbox. Like if we Mommy. Had a third sibling, 
they definitely would have been the Xbox sibling. Right. We didn't. Right. So I'm like, well, we can't. We don't get two. You get one. So I get it. We already had the two. <laughs> you came too late. Like, I'm sorry. It's over. That's, that's my first mess. Xbox console was an Xbox One like a few years ago. Oh, wow. Well, I guess that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Xbox first. Um, but Kyle, I feel like you have the most yeah, insight. I started the first one. I'm like, this is the first one. <laughs> that's right. No, you got in there when the getting was good. Uh, but Kyle, you have the most insight into this, having a, having a kid. Like, does she care at all about one console or the other? Or it's just they're all Fortnite machines. No, yeah, it's all... I, I guess she gets... She likes her pc the most and this right. is you know every kid's different Hardcore. and i think she'll she'll get it <laughs> if something also comes to switch because then she can kind of carry it around the house and play it right but like it's funny because she plays fortnite predominantly on switch and I, she has like one of my old xboxes in her room and i'm like why don't you play fortnite on your tv with this xbox it'll play way better you know all that stuff and she's like no i'm good i got it's on my switch it's fine well that's like us telling you that pc gaming is way better than console gaming and you say yeah it just it feels like a hassle i don't want to do it well but i'm saying she plays it on switch like I arguably know. the worst I... version you know which is just you just play with character <laughs> yeah it's not a, it's not a personality thing anymore right because i i think yeah. there was a, a point where i was like i was a big nintendo kid and i was i wouldn't you know, that was important to me, was making sure I had all the Nintendo stuff, and I think that, that time has passed. The time has passed. You're I'm now a Nintendo a man. Nintendo kid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, has that time that passed? I never out? really... I just stopped growing after a certain point, and it really sneaks up on you. Because mm. you're like, surely this can't be it. But nope, that is, Weird. That is it. What is that like? I haven't stopped, actually. Yeah, um, you might want to get that looked into. Oh, really? Hansen, especially okay. with the wedding coming up. You yeah. want to be able to fit into your, your suit, but... That's a good point. Yeah, it... It became less stressful once I could ride roller coasters. That was the big hurdle in my life, height-wise. That's smart. Um, yeah, I put out a, not exactly a Twitter poll, but a casual poll on Twitter. I'm going to call it um, a Twitter poll, where I just said, like, hey, uh, has your primary console of choice shifted this generation? You know, let us know how things have shifted around. And this is as anecdotal as it gets, but, you know, there are like 70 responses or something. Um, big shifts are people shifting surprising amount of people shifting from PlayStation to Xbox this generation and the big recurring thing amongst all these comments and even people who wrote in uh, over on Patreon was Game Pass. I know it's the most obvious thing in the world, but everyone's like, yeah, with Game Pass, I had to go Xbox, had to go Xbox. A lot of people Mm -hmm. also shifting from consoles to PC. I don't know if that's a generational thing or just more and more people are realizing like, why am I not just jumping over to PC? And then obviously people being delighted when stuff is on Switch and whatnot. But those are kind of the big, big overall themes if you had to try and summarize where people are at um we had uh people write in as well uh sent the profit says i'm fortunate enough to have procured both an xbox series x and a playstation 5 i love my time with both consoles and find myself playing the playstation 5 due to favoring the ui and games on it however for all my friends i recommend the xbox series x game pass is too good of a deal unlike older console wars i truly believe choosing one of the consoles comes down to how much you want to spend on games owning a playstation 5 will require more disposable income over time than the xbox with the game pass uh, Chandler says, with the whole chip shortage, it feels more wasteful than ever to buy a whole PlayStation when realistically my computer could play the same games if Sony would just let me. <laughs> well, you could say that about a lot of things. If Sony would just let me do the thing, it'd be a lot better. Um, yeah, Nathan Schultz writes in, console shift. I've been a Nintendo fanboy my entire life, but I'm realizing that they just don't cater to me like they used to. I bought a PlayStation 5 this generation between and between new games and the PS4 back catalog, it's been a delight. So there we go, PlayStation. Things aren't looking so glum. You got you got one there. 
Uh, Andrew Burns says, I was a day one adopter of the PlayStation 5 and I use it daily. While I'd like to get a Series X, uh, the truth is that Microsoft still hasn't gotten me. Uh, so, so boy, still hasn't given me as an one S owner a real reason to upgrade yet. Mm. That is the tricky thing, right? It's like, well, if all those games are going to be on PC, why exactly would I get the Xbox? And so maybe that's part of that push of just people being like, you know what? If I can find one, if there's a chip that has floated down from heaven and you can put it in a computer, I guess I'll just jump for that. I mean, from yeah, I could thinking generationally, like this this generation so far, like my PlayStation has been my sort of exclusives machine. But yeah. Then if I have the choice, I'm usually going Xbox just because, and it's honestly for me, it comes down to their cloud save stuff is just so much simpler and easier to use, and the the sort of backwards compatibility sort of like lets me have access to my library of games I've bought as opposed to PlayStations, which will be like a subscription service, right? Right. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at this generation. Yeah, and that's a pretty big shift for you then? No, I've been, I like 360, played a lot more of that over PS3. I will say I played more PS5 than Xbox One, or PS4, excuse me, than Xbox One. And then before that, it was just like, you know, Super Nintendo N64. Although PS2, I did go more more PS2 than GameCube. I See, there we go. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really thinking about this, about like which way I've leaned is my primary console for each generation. It's like, okay, well, now that I think about it, it's pretty easy. It was PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4. And I still like my PlayStation 5, but I think I've had a choice of you can play this on either. I would go, I'd go Xbox. I think it's just a tighter, cleaner experience this generation. I like the controller a lot more. Um, and it's not that I'm turning my back on all things Sony, obviously, but it is just like that subtle little shift where it's like, I don't know what this means for the larger generation that I have my choice of the two and I prefer that one at least. Jana, how are you feeling? Dual sense still got you. And obviously like I have, it's sort of a weird combo of like, is it cause I'm on PS I love you or is it the inverse? I mean, not that you need to, despite what many commenters think, you don't need to be married to Sony in a deep, intensive way. Like, obviously, I'm a fan of PlayStation. Um, that was for reference. You, you know, I mentioned me and my brother kind of splitting them up and we've always played each other's stuff. Like we always like shared everything. We were never like territorial about any of the stuff we had with yeah. toys or like anything like that. Um, so we had Nintendo at the jump because that's what was around. Um, and then like when the I, I was one that had the PS2, like that was in my room. Like I was the PlayStation one and he was the Nintendo one. Again, we we're both fans of both, but that Gotta is how the it. divide went. You know, I had a PSP. He like didn't have one. I guess he just never asked for one. Or maybe he got too old at that point where it's like, you're not really getting gifts like that at this point. You're getting like, you know, a pair of socks or something. But um, yeah, so I've, I've loved PlayStation for a long time. I think for me, um, I like the controller a lot. Um, and I do, I am kind of into the trophies now. That's been new. And mm. I, I just enjoy, like if I want to like 100% a game, I enjoy that experience on PlayStation a lot more because saying you platinumed it is just more exciting than saying you... I don't even know what you say, actually. Completed 100 gamer I, I scored a thousand. All the achievements is what I. It's so long. Yeah. Like, yeah. it, honestly, it's so like petty and dumb. But I honestly think they just need to catch <laughs> your thing for it. Valid point. Yeah, it's like, interesting. Because and it's interesting because Xbox is like they're the the OG of the achievements and stuff. They, that was something they spearheaded. But I really feel like, in terms of like cult, you know, console identity, I feel like PlayStation really has like superseded them in 
the excitement of the platinum versus and too like there's like the, the platinum you know, I have a chalice that I like drink out of that's in the shape of the trophy mm. like for Xbox I mean I do still like when I get an achievement I shout like achievement but it's not the same thing it doesn't have the cachet as trophy hunter um, again silly things but but things that I've kind of noticed and then my partner is heavy in a PlayStation like he lo- I mean he probably would be mad if I was describing him this way but he uh-huh. loves PlayStation like for I mean he has the other ones <laughs> why he is that outrageous more. because he's weird like, he's like uh. I'm not just a fanboy I just happen to really I just like really good games and they happen to all be on PlayStation I'm funny like, how that it's works fine. it's fine like it's a it's a great platform with fantastic games but like you know, I look over and it's there's a lot of PlayStation stuff on the other side of the room. Um, so for that reason, too, like it's convenient if I'm playing something, you know, that we can like kind of do the game share elements or like cross, yeah. we don't have to worry about cross play. So for all those reasons, I've leaned into PlayStation and I've made Xbox just my Game Pass machine, which for the you know, it is for most people. Like that's the biggest asset that Xbox has. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like the the changes to the controller this generation. It's a lot like a little bit bigger and a little bit weightier. And I think that goes a long way, even though I still kind of wish they did have offset sticks, but I don't yeah. mind the ones on the bottom. That old classic thing. Um, yeah, I was thinking about just PlayStation where they're at overall. They had their um, earnings report uh, this year. Um, and total PlayStation 5s are at 19.5 million which uh, based on last year and their projections, they were 3 million short of what they're going for for the, for the latest target here. Um, and they're saying, hey, uh, we're feeling very comfortable. It could ramp up with the PlayStation 5 shipments to 18 million in the fiscal year ending March 2023. Um, obviously, the big thing hanging over all this stuff uh, is chip shortages. Um, and they're saying they're optimistic about the future. Uh, the CEO of AMD uh, specifically, which is the chip in the PlayStations, they say, ah, the second half of 2022 will be better and we'll be able to get more of those out there. But then, I mean, these are made in the same place in Taiwan, right? And Intel, the CEO there, he's like, this is going to be 2024, everybody, uh, until we're wow. possibly fixing what course we're on. So I would put money on the pessimistic person. I don't know what that says about uh, <laughs> my view on what CEOs will project out into the world, but that idea of like, hey, we are selling as many as we can, but we're still not up to our targets largely because yeah. of you know supply chain issues. Yeah, which is which is a weird, a weird distinct thing for this generation of like, this, the sales numbers really don't matter because they're both selling as many as they possibly can get out there into people's hands. They'll make up that three million as soon as they have three million more consoles that they can sell to people. And there are people on wait lists, you know, for yeah. a year waiting to actually get theirs. It'll be interesting to see, like, you know, if finally they catch up with the supply and demand in, let's be pessimistic and say 2024, will they lose some of that buzz? That idea of like, now you can get a console four years in. It's like, eh. That old thing, it's been four years. I mean, I tech mean, a flies. lot of people shop that way, though. I mean, maybe yeah. not. Four is a little bit on the, I wouldn't say more extreme end, but like it's a little on the longer end. But I feel like most, like the really average consumers aren't getting it until at least like two years in, which like for what it's worth, like that's very fair in terms of exclusives, especially with how like modern consoles operate. And then not to mention, too, like I always felt the weird thing of like, I historically would get into consoles pretty late until I like started working in the industry. And for that reason too, it's like, whoa, 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 I just got this console. There's a new one. I'm I'm behind, so I'm kind of like waiting to catch up. And then again, it's convenient because there's not a lot of reason to like get it day one. Um, the only reason is, you know, the love of the machine. And that's not that like you don't love it if you don't get a day one, but like right. 
am there for the excitement and the vibes. I don't need anything to play. I kind of actually, in a weird way, I like not having anything to play. I like that there's two games here. There's, we're all only talking about the same four games. Contrast you know? on it's, PS4. It's like, yeah, I mean, like, honestly, there's there's an excitement to that. Like, totally. I like being there for that. And if you're if that's something that you feel passionate about as well, then, yeah, I would recommend being a day one adopter. It is really fun to be in from the ground floor, to be part of the drama and the problems and the iterations and the growth. Like it is a really enjoyable experience, but that is not an experience that that is the experience. The experience is outside of the games and the need. So if you were like, I don't care about that. Great. Just I would wait then, because unless you're really dying to like you knew you needed to play Ratchet when it came out, right. you could just play that later. And, and there will be a much more robust library and reasons for you to actually be there. Yeah. yeah, Steam Deck has been this, and Playdate as well, has been this like stark sort of reminder that I like. It's almost like I would almost call it a problem that I really want these consoles as soon as possible. Like it bums me out that I don't have a Steam Deck yet. Like it makes me so upset. And you sad. got to borrow the MinMax one. What do you mean? I know that was great, and now I'm like, I was like, I've I've been wanting to play uh, more Rogue Legacy two. Like I've been playing it on um, Xbox, but like the TV hasn't been available. And I'm like, oh, if I just had that stupid Steam Deck, I could play Rogue Legacy 2 more. Don't you have like a basement with like 14 TVs lined up next to each other? You really don't have one? Yeah, but that I'm you... not in there. It's it's what? We're all in different places in the house. We want to hang out together. But we're, oh. we're watching something on TV as a family. you know. But I was like, I kind of want to play Rogue Legacy 2. It'd be nice if I had that Steam Deck that I pre-ordered the day it was available, but I still haven't been given the option to purchase. Not fast like, enough. Oh, that's what I'm saying. It's a problem. Like it's it's I need to like deal with it and get over it because it's like the games are still going to be there. When no, I get just take that problem mail. and stuff more stuff on top of it and just push yeah. it down further. Stack you know, play dates on there. I'm still yeah. waiting exactly. on that. Exactly. I'm waiting for that speaker to drop. I'm like, are you also putting that out? Because it's just sitting like around. I want to be able to like prop it up, even though I don't, I don't need any of this stuff. The dumbest thing I bought, I think <laughs> for sure is, is we don't need any of this. Wait a minute. The, the game podcast watch, over. The new game watch was like the dumbest thing I bought. I was talking about that today. Like, you know, the Mario one? Like, ball? Like, Well, if we're going to bash Game & Watch Ball, this podcast is truly over, Janet. Truly one of the goats. Well, now they got Mario's head there, though. So it's like a whole new game. Like, the replay value went through the roof here. You think you've you've balled it all, but you have not. Speaking of uh, stuff we don't need, remember uh, on the podcast a couple weeks ago, I was talking about how I really wanted an old uh, Peanuts Game & Watch from 1982 because oh, yeah. it's like yeah. the first time Nintendo collaborated with uh, Charles Schultz's estate and whatnot for just such a dirty reason. I bought it, uh, yes. got it on eBay and then there's one of those things of like, it's going to be shipped here pretty soon and I already yes. had those moments of like, I was telling somebody about it and I was like, yeah, I got it on eBay. It was $215. <laughs> I had that moment of like, what bad. am I doing? What it's am I bad. doing spending that much money on a game it's and a watch because it has Snoopy it on it. Then. Just make content with it so that way the government can't come for you. But oh yeah, we could do a full let's play of Snoopy's tennis or something. You know, talk about it a little bit. Jump on TikTok with it. Like anything. That is genuinely smart. This is I know we talked about a lot on New Show Plus and stuff, but you are so good at content focusing on content first. Some would maybe say it's a curse to your brain, but you do such a good job out there in every avenue. I spend a lot of time outside of this just laying down and recharging my mind. I don't think so. But even honestly, you're like, you're going on runs and you're like, all right, let's squeeze some content out of here. Here's 14 TikToks about every time a foot goes down on the ground and and it works out. Like, you know, you're... Yeah, people will comment like more of more running. I don't know. Right. Anyway, but yeah, you shouldn't... I mean, yeah, why not? It's you're like right. in your field. See, this is genuinely... I. 
didn't even think of that thing that is so obvious that hey i'm getting a very unique gaming thing i should make content about that i mean i want to see it literally just all right wow bring up your phone and be like what is the thing you have in your gaming collection that you are most excited about that you feel like no one else cares about i'll go first this is the Peanuts Game and Watch. Why did right. I get this? I still don't know. But here's why my how I rationalized it when I like bought it off eBay, and, and then you just talk about it. For and thank minutes. you for following Ming Max on TikTok. Uh-huh. We try. We try. Little at sound. Go to viral. Pick a thing. Trim it. Bring the volume down. Anyway, we'll talk about it. And yeah. Of and then I put that tic- boring to listen to. And then I put the TikTok song about my money don't. Something, something, it folds. It don't jiggle, jiggle, oh, yeah. oh, it folds. Oh my God, I think it's so in my brain. <laughs> I so have good. to start skipping it. It's so um, good. Maybe not that one, but your, head, your head's in the right place. Like, okay. Your head and your heart's in the right place. Yeah. Thanks. Um, hey, the point is, Sony this generation, huh? Interesting. I, I've been thinking about this. They compete with the Game & Watch, the Peanuts Game & Watch, which is really sh- uh, you know showing how destitute the company is at this That's point. That's right. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Um, but no, I think I was, um, I've been reading uh, Reggie's book. Reggie fils from Nintendo, former president of Nintendo America. Um, and we'll be doing content about that, speaking of content in the future, so look forward to that. But um, we're reading about that and kind of the failure of the Wii U and stuff. It just got me thinking about, like, what a juggernaut the PlayStation 4 was in my mind. And I felt like, God, they just nailed it. Exclusives, the messaging out of the gate was, like, mwah, just PR beauty. Um, and then good hardware. Then I was thinking, like, well, think about, it. like, its competition was the Wii U and the Xbox One. You know, like it wasn't exactly like a battle of the titans that generation. No, yeah. I'm not. Now, PS4, I think, is arguably you could argue the greatest console of all time. I think that's absolutely a fair argument. But it's just weird to think back about like the success versus the reality of its competition. It's like, eh, yeah. I mean, it was because like you think about that, you know, which was fantastic uh, with that video where the uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who was in it, but where they they handed the Adam Boys and Shuhei. Yep. Right. Here's how you share games on the PlayStation 4. And they hand right. it off. And they're like, oh, my gosh, E3 winners. Incredible. And it's like, if you sort of take a step back and look at that, it's like basically what that was is like, hey, this is a reminder that our console is functionally similar to the previous ones where the other guys are trying to do different things. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's true. And we, talk and about we th- cheered. God damn it. We cheered. Oh, it was the best day of our <laughs> lives out there. It's delightful. Genuinely. It was like, it was, I remember being in that E3 booth and being like, my God, what, this is it. This is it was fun because it felt like that old, this is the peak. it felt like the old console wars. It's, it felt like right. the Sega Nintendo yeah. era for sure, you know? Um, but just thinking about Sony's strengths, especially the last generation of just, okay, we're going to have our exclusives. They're going to be single-player, story-focused games, and people will show up and buy them in ridiculous numbers. And I know this is a larger conversation we've kind of dabbled in a little bit before, but I do think it's interesting that this generation, now you see Sony being like, yeah, but live service games, though. We're going to start investing in that. Whereas I feel like it it feels so bizarre to be coming off of uh, the last decade of them saying, hey, it's successful enough if we focus on these single-player stories. And now for a slow pivot... But I'm, I'm fascinated with that idea of Sony, and for sure in the future, they just announced they are investing $300 million more into the first-party studios for you know a lot of single-player stuff, um, story-focused stuff. But I'm fascinated with that idea of a company as big as PlayStation and Sony banking so much of their business on storytelling. Like, literally, for these huge games, I mean, it's not like it's going to bring down the whole company, but it is wild to think about that idea of like, ah, ultimately we have a handful of studios, handful of auteurs, and if they don't get some good ideas and iterate correctly on the story, then our brand is moot. Like, it's not a safe place to be, yeah. and it feels like they're learning that lesson and pivoting to, okay, live service, where's the actual money in the industry? Please, 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 give us, give us, give us that. 
Yeah, and and you think of some of those biggest franchises of like Uncharted. What does Uncharted do? It feels like we got to the end of those stories and The Last of Us. Like, right. There's they've they've told such distinct stories and had such you know like fully realized character arcs for those characters that it's like they there you can't you can't continue those endlessly. Like I'm sure they would want them to, but it's like okay, well now in addition to making you know like as flawless gameplay wise as you can get games, you also have to come up with new characters, new IP, new feels for, you know, like different tones and all these different things. And you look at something like on the other hand of like a days gone, right. They tried very hard with all of those things and it just didn't hit. And it's like, how many millions did you put into that? How much, how many years did it take to come up with that? And it's, it's always that dice roll at the end of it of like, is this going to catch catch on big with fans is this going to be another huge franchise or are we going to have to start from scratch again and obviously that's the example of yeah it only sold five million which was i think rough math from jeff ross the game's director uh and all that but i think days gone made its money back and it was in development for a long time but i'd certainly have to imagine that but you're right it doesn't feel like a success and i agree with uh jeff ross's point that a part of that is just sony messaging of they could have sent out a big announcement that days gone sold four million units whatever it is and they didn't um because i mean Days Ooh. Gone just isn't that good. Like, hey, I don't mean fair. to be, you know, rude about it, but, like, it's a very kind of mid to, like, barely good game. It's not like it had totally, like, it's not like it didn't have any, like, redeemable qualities. Yeah. But it was very long. The story wasn't that compelling. Kyle just left because he's like, I can't handle like, the Days Gone slander. This. Yeah, it's his I think, day too, to go. It, it was very clearly, unfortunately timed in that it's, like, pulling on the zombie stuff even though i know they're not zombies or friggers but you know it, it kind of came in a weird spot for like that sort of motif in games i hear you there's a lot I of hear reasons ya. that it just didn't really hit but like you're gonna take you know it's not every at bat is gonna be knocking it out of the park like i don't think that means i think all making of games is stressful in different ways i think the only people that really have it down with like longevity and a formula without getting stagnant is nintendo where like mario still hits fresh almost every time and the worst mario game is still better than most other games even though like new super mario bros U or whatever i no, i don't like it i don't think it was very good but that's still pretty <laughs> other than that one solid yeah i mean like honestly like a, a new you know odyssey 2 or like whatever it's mm-hmm. going to come out they're going to have some fresh new interesting mechanic in a way that almost no one else can really do like donkey kong's still fire now which is insane um but it's also not story driven so to, to the point of stories i do think they are trying to pave the way with things like Ghost. I think Spider-Man will have a lot of legs, and that's not because he's a Spider-Man. But Interesting. I, have spider <laughs> you know, I think that's sort of the element. But yeah, with live service stuff, I mean, I think you ideally you have a little bit of everything. I think every platform and company still has its kind of niche and chic. Like, Nintendo is still known as, like, cartoony, family-friendly, even if it's, like, that's not to disparage their games. Like, I love their games, but that's kind of the vibe they give off. You know, family game of the year, it's always going to have some Nintendo games, even if mm-hmm. you can't play them with other people for some reason um you know sony's storytelling xbox is at this point game pass so it's thinking about like sure how can we be more than that because we don't want to be you know you want to be a five-legged stool so that if one thing goes down you don't fall i prefer a 16-legged stool uh that's the only way i feel comfortable on a stool i mean yeah add as many legs as you want to hansen tiktok min just keep putting legs on there (laughs) so you're unkillable no i think microsoft is an interesting spot and so just for uh overall console sales uh for the series x and s combined they've sold 11 million 11.8 million 
compared to the PlayStation 5's 19.5, and then the Switch, of course, is at 107 million, which we can get into in a bit. But yeah, Xbox, I'm curious to see, obviously, they're, they're buying up so many studios. You got uh, your Activisions, you got your Call of Duty, you got your Blizzards, you got your Bethesda's, all that good stuff. I am curious to see, like, how much they're going to be shifting with the studios they're acquiring into more of a living game format. Like, Starfield, Starfield, probably not. That feels like that was so much in motion before they're going to get their hands on it. That is probably going to be what it is. There'll be some cool DLC, kind of standard Bethesda package. But stuff like Redfall, you know, like the other arcane game from Austin, I'm curious to see how much they try and position that as like a living game just to try and get more of their studios in that world, even like Fable. Like, is that going to be a living game? Is it going to be a little bit more well, in that remember vein? Of- they were, they tried to do that already right and cancel it <laughs> with the 4v1 fable legends yeah 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 uh, hellblade 2 live game can't wait for that it's gonna be great yeah uh they're gonna be layering in more voices um each week so you can enjoy that and send you as a um dr ox says hey well i've always been pretty neutral on the console wars i currently own a playstation 5 switch and pc not really seeing the need for xbox when all their exclusives are available on pc However, rumors of an Xbox Game Pass dongle make me wonder if I might finally technically make an Xbox purchase. Are any of you interested in this potential Game Pass streaming stick? Yeah, so this is a Jeff Grubb over at VentureBeat, um, and I think uh, another outlet as well were saying that, hey, we're hearing rumblings that within a year, I think was their rough time frame, that uh, Microsoft's going to release basically like an Amazon Fire TV thing. Um, like a little dongle that you can plug into your TV and then you can play Game Pass games on there. And then also they're partnering with Samsung just to have Game Pass ready to go on those TVs and whatnot. Um, and so you won't even need the console, right? Yeah, What's um, what was the original sort of streaming service? I always forget the name. OnLive? The one, yeah, OnLive apparently was like, they tried to get, they tried to build OnLive into Sony TVs. And Sony, when Sony, you know, the PlayStation side of the business caught on to that, they were like, nah, no, you can't be on there. What are you doing? Don't go like, ahead of where be, If it gets popular enough, do you think we'd ever see like an Xbox streaming channel on a Sony <laughs> TV? I mean, yeah, why not? Yeah. Well, well who, who, who could they still make money yeah. on that? Hey, I don't know. It's confusing. Start with Samsung. See how goes. I want to see them go old school, like back when hotels had like consoles in them where they have like the Xbox dongle mm. attached to the back of the hotel TV, but they got to make it so that you can't steal it. So I don't know. Oh. But you already can barely pull that thing. Like I want to plug in an HDMI into like a hotel TV and like it was too mounted to the wall for me to like do it. So I'm like, okay, we're just going to have to use the what was it the tabletop mode remember tabletop mode i feel like i never used that thing but i did that day to play um wheel of fortune actually ben i was i was rocking some wheel of fortune hell yeah vacation yeah that game honestly wheel of fortune hits like it's it's a little bit a lot for kind of what it is but worth every penny i feel like it's a little Um, bit a lot i hear hey look on the wheel of fortune uh, but and i I don't mean to be that guy because i'm like against being that guy but like i ain't going front the fact that it was expensed it felt not, it was good. I didn't have to good. think about it. Wishlisted at least. Maybe it goes on sale. Yeah, for New Show Plus, we, we had a, a couple weeks of playing yeah, Wheel of Fortune on the Switch. And uh, here's the thing. I had a good time with that, and I tried several times to bring it out after we watched Survivor every week with a group of friends. Mockery. Everybody had a good laugh saying <laughs> how much... Yeah, everyone's like, how much did this cost you? Come on. I was just lambast. It's like, it's a fun... It's Wheel of Fortune on the Switch, yeah, everybody. No, Come on. So these are like... This is the classic, like, hung up on the wrong things. The graphics, the yeah. awkward input delay. Not important. There's problems with the game. It is a flawed game. But at, at the, the core idea is good. Yeah, um, I But agree. that's not what you asked about at all. So for the dongle, I am interested. <laughs> I think... Pro dongle. Um, <laughs> I think the... 
I do think the way of the future is going to be a cons uh, like there's not going to be consoles eventually. I think we're pretty far away from that, mm-hmm. but not as far as I'd like to be because I love physical media. So, you know, but I think we're barely getting at the point where may I don't know if we'll ever see a when we'll see like the there's no discs at all because this is the first generation where simultaneously there was a discless version of those consoles. Right. Um, right. You know, one or even even one generation ago, you would have gotten laughed at the room for like presenting that people would have been like, you hate gamers and da da da. But like now people are ready for that digital world. So yeah, I mean, I think the dongle makes sense. Like it's a game pass machine anyway, to be able to just turn it into any TV. Like that sounds incredible. If it can actually work well, which I don't know how hard that's going to be to get to work, but that's tricky. Nintendo switch. I'm I'm still not holding my breath for the streaming technology, at least in, Mm -hmm. in America with America's internet. I just don't, it's called America Online. I can hardly connect to my Wi-Fi with my phone and keep it connected, you know, to play Wordle, much less I'm going to be streaming, you know, Xbox games that need, like, actual precise timing on it. I just don't... It's it's nice to have it an option. It's I an, don't th- buy it. Then that's I know fine. Kyle, I know Kyle's an evangelist of it, and he likes streaming games sometimes, but I just... Yeah, no, I, I, it's funny. I was actually playing... Um, I am, like, cannot remember any names today but the, the ben. it's a it's a roguelike platformer um where your head more. your head's on fire dead cells dead, dead, oh, cells. dead cells yeah i was <laughs> screaming that to my phone the other night using the um the backbone controller yeah and it and it does it's that thing jeff i mean you're right where it's like it's going fine but the, the second there's even the slightest hiccup it just the whole experience collapses it doesn't matter if it like comes right back it's like I lost a few frames and I took damage and now I don't want to play this way. It's like, it's yeah, I think it's, it just, it's nice to have it as an option. You know, it's like you get that dongle plugged into your TV. And if you have some kids that want to play games on the game pass, just, like that seems, that seems like a great one. Uh, Kyle's uh, being blinked out of reality. Speaking of streaming, not Steve, this is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned yeah. when you, okay, I wasn't going to say anything, but like, Jeff, <laughs> you open the door, right? It's like court where it's like, Oh, we can, it's fair game now. For Jeff to be like, oh, Kyle's like the the streaming guy. I'm like, really? With that internet? Like, I'm not trying. You know, I was going to bring it up, but. I get it. There it is. That, that, I don't know what to make of that. I guess you really love it, you know? He maybe that's why so it's not, maybe he's running games right now, and that's why he's always like glitching out. Yeah, fix right. it, Kyle. Um, Nintendo Switch, yeah, though, we should, we should uh, touch on real quick. They had their, um, their earnings report and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, 20% decline in the last year in sales. Uh, for the Switch compared to last year, but they're at 107 million total, which is higher than the Wii. We got to 101. The DS got to 154. The Game Boy and Game Boy Color, which they combine, which I call shenanigans, that's at 118. So the Switch is still... Game Boy Pocket. Game Boy Pocket up in there? I think that would also straight up be up (laughs) in there, Kyle. Uh, But yeah, 107 million units uh, for this thing, so nothing to sneeze at, but certainly a little bit slower than last year, but they obviously attribute that to like, well, this thing came out last year called Animal Crossing? Um, within the last fiscal year, and it turns out that uh, destroyed all of our expectations of everything because it sold so well. But the thing that they said that earnings report with that, uh, they sold more software than ever before. Like in the history of tracking all of this, everyone's just been mm-hmm. going nuts. Um, so Kirby, our beloved Kirby, who Janet, I'm with you back to back. We're defending that thing against Sarah, who just is so mean about the Kirby franchise all the time. Um, but oh, by the way, I, I completed that. Like saved Leon's soul. Like really all the way on that. Game. Good stuff, yeah, right? Which I didn't. I didn't think I was gonna do once I beat the beat it the first time, and then I was like, you know what? I want to keep playing Kirby, so I'm going. Oh wow! And? and and what? It's freaking good, it's good, right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's it's really good. It it's turned- my favorite Kirby game, like pretty handily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that sold 2.1 million. 
so far. Probably will keep climbing. Seems like a, a good evergreen one. Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus uh, just came out in January, if you recall. Uh, it's already sold 12.64 million, which is oh. stunning. I'm very happy because I love that game a lot. This one uh, shook me to my core. Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl combined, the remakes of those uh, DS games. Uh, 14.65 million. And they're the best-selling Pokemon remakes of all time, they announced. Like so better, surprising. Better than wow. the Soul Silver, which is an incredible game and an incredible remake on a system that has 154 million units, and this thing still outsold it. Uh, Metroid Dreads at uh, 2.9. Uh, Skyward sold. Skyward Skyward Sword sold uh, 3.91 million. Uh, and a seashell. Which, that's right. Uh, which so it turns that, out that is, sold more than Metroid. Yeah. Also, wow. Skyward Sword. Almost everything sells more than Metroid, though. Like, let's bad. be honest. You got to be honest. But the crazy thing with when Skyward they made Sword. Another soldier. I just will never forgive them for that. I'm like a third one. You can't just. How many colors of the soldier are there? How dare you Wait, attack Metroid? Metroid Dread. The ending the of the Metroid. soldier. Yeah, the one. Of the. You know. You're yeah, saying that's a fun boss. I'm spitting acid for people that fun. don't. Just to be clear, Janet, your theory for why people didn't buy Metroid Dread is because they heard rumors that there was a third colored soldier at the end that was a tricky fight. I'm just saying that I'm not going to cry for Dread. How dare Dredd, you? Dread didn't cry for me. You, you got to defend Metroid. What a slap in the face Janet, that he's I'm not a Metroid super fan, but it is our duty as gamers to get excited when Metroid does well because Look, that's good game design. I, Look, Metroid I bought, Dread is great, and I really liked all yes. the boss fights a lot. The best boss fights in the whole series. Fantastic. Kyle. I bought the stuff, okay? I did my part. All right. Well, you're not doing your part right now, Janet, and we can feel well, it. Well, you know what? I'm upset, okay? I went through some things. That I get game it. changed me, and I don't like who I am on the other side of it. I really, that How game is... Samus feels at the end of that game? She went through a similar experience. She, I guess she had some... Now we're getting back into the deepest dive, which go watch that. If you want our full... Oh, Metroid that's right. We already debated this game. Yeah, no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. We get, it gets very like heated about, is the jump good? You know? Mm-hmm, that's right. I don't know. I it still is, don't know. turns out. Kyle, mm-hmm. um, the factoid I was trying... <laughs> Kyle, will you let me get this factoid out? Skyward Soul. Damn it, I can't even say it. Legend Legend of Zelda Skyward Sold. uh, Almost. Kyle, get get ready for this factoid because Skyward Sold almost as much on the Wii as it did on the Switch. They almost sold the same amount. Isn't that crazy? That is is genuinely crazy. That's mind blowing. Especially considering it was at the end of the Wii's life cycle when everybody. I know. I know. I know it, right? I think it's genuinely crazy. Like, I think I might rip my face off because it's so freaking crazy. <laughs> blame you. Save mm-hmm. it for TikTok. That's right. I feel like that might be about <laughs> something that isn't this game, you know? <laughs> Honestly, you, you rip your face off. That thing's going viral for sure before it gets pulled from the platform. <laughs> my money don't jiggle, jiggle. jiggle. It, it folds. As <laughs> I'm ripping my Honestly, face okay, off. Honestly, no, hold on, though. Sky I watch makeup videos sold. where people do that, where they have, like, a full, like, I've watched, like, women peel, like, entire face masks, basically, off that are, like, made from makeup and it's so gross but it's so satisfying oh, it's amazing we're playing the face off soundtrack underneath it um, no missed opportunity not if people watch face off or too many did it's one of the two I forget which one that's right um, I think too many people did um, Nintendo Switch uh, I'm curious about like Nintendo and where they're moving obviously in the future they got uh, they say Bayonetta 3 is still coming out this year Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is going to be late 2022 Splatoon 3 is September 9th Xenoblade 3 of course July 29th all that stuff uh, Mario Strikers Battle League June 10th I think it's coming out within a month isn't that crazy uh, batting down the hatches, Advance everybody. Wars still just kind of floating around. Whenever someday, war like, ends on planet Earth, um, Advance Wars will release and Serial will uh, squeal and delight. Um, they did cut the Switch price, I saw a story about, down to 260 from 300 I don't know if that's going to be temporary. Like, a story didn't even know. It seemed like it was completely out of the blue. Um, the weird thing is, it's, uh, Nintendo on mobile. 
There's obviously like the Mario Kart stuff, which seems to be doing well for them. Um, but they haven't announced a new mobile game in at least a year. It seems like they're ramping up for a while with that, and I, I don't know what's going on. I thought they days. were shutting shutting some of that stuff down. Well, they shut down well, Jagalia Lost. They killed Dr. Mario. Yeah. That's right. Um, they ended his license. Um, it turns out it was Yeah, they pulled no his good. medical license. That's it was right. a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Disgraced the I, family. It was awful. <laughs> Burp walk everything. Malpractice. That's right. Should I go on or do um, we have other I think Kyle was thinking about saying something. No, no. I, I, am, I, I am very curious what the future of Nintendo Mobile is because they have had successes, but I, I and it, stuff like Mario Run, I think they consider that a failure, even though I, I really like Mario Run. I thought that was a good game, um, yeah. and I played it a lot. Um, but I wonder, yeah. I, I, and then they tried the new IP with Dragalia Lost, and I, I, they, they must consider that a failure as well. So I'm, I don't know. What I don't know about failure. Is. I mean, they probably made a zillion dollars on it, and for what it's worth, but Kyle, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have, you know, turned it off, so to speak, if it wasn't. <laughs> A huge hit. Don't close the money fountain, you fool. Money. Well, I think for what it for it's worth, like, um, this is very, I don't, it feels narcissistic, so I apologize. But I went back and rewatched um, the Rapid Fire interview I did back at Game Informer recently with uh, Tezuka, who's the director of Mario 3 and Mario World and Yoshi's Island and Link to the Past and um, every great uh, Nintendo game. Um, but in that interview, I forgot that I asked him because he also worked on Super Mario Run. And I asked him, did you consider Super Mario Run a success? And, you know, he's not, a business guy. He's a game designer over there, but I remember in this video, he like shrugged his shoulder and he goes, a lot of people downloaded it. <laughs> it's like, okay, man. So take it from Tezuka, Kyle. A lot of people downloaded it. Well, that was the weird, the, yeah, I mean, that was the game. It's like you played the first level and then you could buy the full thing for, I don't know, like 10 bucks or something like that. Yeah. Which is like, I thought that was great. That was a good deal. But I think a lot of mobile people misread that as like, oh, I got to pay $10 for the next set of levels and I got to pay $10 again. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 and it really, because like you looked at re- early reviews of that on the on the app store and that's what a lot of people were complaining about. It. Yeah. yeah. What a weird thing. What it was a weird thing. one. Uh, Captain Cobblepot uh, wrote in and said, hey, computer living cohorts, that's us. Uh, the Switch is winning the console wars and the numbers prove it. Uh, they recently stated that they saw a 20% drop in sales compared to the previous fiscal year. Still, the Switch sold over 23 million units compared to the next-gen Microsoft and Sony consoles, which are around the 10 to 17 million mark. Why does the Switch sell so much better consistently than the other consoles? <laughs> Asked Captain Cobblepot. That is a, a very good question um, that we it's probably cheaper. don't address enough. But then the Xbox One S, though, it's not cheaper. Um, it's, I guess, unique. It's friendly. It's. I mean, the light is cheaper, right? Still. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, probably. Yeah, exactly. And multiple. They have a lot of SKUs too now. They're like with three now. Yeah, I, I do think, and it turns out, yeah. By the way, they said that twenty-five percent of their sales in the last year were the OLED unit, which is nice to have that that breakdown. But I mean, Kyle, I think you said it. It's it's more available than the others. Yeah. I think I think it's also I. Because the, the few people I know who don't really play a lot of games who did get a Switch, they just kind of see it like sort of in the same way as the Wii as like, oh, this is kind of inexpensive. It is cool, right? The, the fact that you can play handheld or on a TV is a neat thing. It's cheaper and it kind of lets me have my foot in the door of like modern gaming. Right. Like PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and PC is still where you're going to play the big, huge graphic intensive games. But if you're just like a casual gamer like the switch gets you in the door and you can play modern games at a lower price and and also you get zelda and mario which everyone knows zelda and mario it is yeah it's it it's is, weird how they're I, able I to tread that line so well even with the wii not the wii u but wii and switch they were able to do it 
Yeah, I, I think as gamers, we kind of just underestimate the value of just being a family-friendly company. Yes. Which yes. makes so many families go out. Like, the Switch sells so well because parents are buying it for their kids, you know? Like, my brother just bought one for his, you know, for his kids that are, like, five years old. He's never going to go out and buy a PS5 or an Xbox Series X for them, you know? It's, it's just, like... Everyone knows the brand. Everyone who has yeah. kids nowadays grew up playing Nintendo because they've been around forever. And it's you, the cheaper price point helps with that. But it's I think there's just so much value in being seen as like the Disney of video games like that. That makes it such an easier purchase for parents who have that kind of money that they don't you know, they're not going to blink an eye at it. They're, they're, they just see it as like. This is a fun, safe thing that I can buy my kids that they can have fun with. But I mean, this is not to make this a three-hour podcast, but that was the Wii U. But the Wii U was confusing. It was just people. confusing. Whereas the, the Switch is the opposite it, it of confusing. Was, yeah, it, it was the Wii, right. which also sold, you know, like blew the doors off of everything else around it, and that was, you know, also like you're buying it for your grandma and stuff. It's it's just like when you can tap into the larger market of people who don't normally play video games like you sell a ton and i i do think we undervalue that we we still talk about it as like ooh, is it sony or microsoft no it's always nintendo it's it's just it's not as powerful of a console you're not going to play elden ring on it and so therefore we just kind of dismiss it in our minds but they're out there selling hundreds of millions of units yeah for sure um did anybody watch that nintendo indie world by the way yeah big showcase thing Big Nintendo kid. Yeah. Big Nintendo kid. That's right. Well, <laughs> who can forget? Um, yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't exactly the most uh, jaw-dropping experience. No big reveals. Silk Song wasn't there you? for the Hollow Knight fans um, and all that stuff. Like maybe the most exciting. I think it's debatable. But uh, Kyle, there's a new game from the Gato Roboto developers called Gunbrella, which is about a guy with a yeah. gun umbrella, which looks pretty good. My my reaction to that was like brilliant. Okay, that just just give me the name. Brilliant, like right. that's all you needed. Did you even need any footage of the gameplay? And I was like, like has how has no one arrived at that yet? Because it's like mechanically interesting within a game to use an umbrella and a gun. And I was like, has has Penguin in a Batman comic ever called it a gunbrella? I feel like I've never heard that before, and it's so smart. It's implied. I don't know if he has to say. And this Batman is my gunbrella. Um, yeah. he just gets to use his umbrella as a gun and we all know it's a gun umbrella it's implied it reminded me of um, you remember the original down, he's got a gun umbrella like <laughs> a little lengthly for emergencies yeah um, but uh, it reminds me of like Jetpack Joyride the original name of that game before they changed it was Machine Gun Jetpack which is like yeah that's just it's a fun idea the idea of like having a machine gun and shooting it down at the ground to make your own jetpack and umbrella right up there with it so I know you loved Gato Roboto right Kyle yeah, I liked God of Roboto. I wouldn't put so much relish. I know on you're it. a Gaga about it, and you got that um, tattoo. So yeah, we look forward to Gumbrella. 2023 is what they're saying. But uh, it, it's it, it was a game that I liked, and it's definitely one of those that like I played it, and I was like, whatever these guys do next, whatever they do next, like I'm gonna be interested in. And this like looks really cool. I my only like is it a rogue or is it? I don't know. Say? I don't know if they said. I don't and think, I think so. And I think it's just like a linear action game, right? Like yeah, just level noir, level. punk, side-scrolling action game is how they describe it. There we go. That, that, My favorite that words. Like, I, I like Gato Roboto's, 
you know, I, I'm always going to be a sucker for Metroid stuff. It's like, I want those mechanics in, like, a Metroid game, um, right. a Metroid map that I can explore. But, like, that was, for me, watching, you know, the stuff from that event, yeah, that was the one that stood out to me that I was, like, the most excited for. Yeah, I know um, I we streamed our reactions with uh, Jacob Geller, contributor, um, and he seemed very excited about Another Crab's Treasure, which is a very silly name for the <laughs> yeah. game. But it's from the developers of Going Under, and this is a Souls-like, or as they put it, Janet, a shell-like because it's a Souls-like game where you're a crab and you're going around and finding better and better shells to put on your back and then going around and fighting. <laughs> it seems good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's gonna... It's. I am a little nervous about it because I think it's really hard to actually get Souls Combat down in a way that feels good. Right. Like, Death's Door, I think, totally did it. I think Tunic totally didn't do it. Even though I still love Tunic, I still gave it a 4 out of 5, but that combat was not good Souls Combat, in my opinion. Yeah. Which, you know... Of which people have felt differently about it, just depending. I even know some people that don't like the Death Door combat, but I have no idea why. They, mm. they, they think the iframes aren't generous enough, or there aren't iframes. I'm like, I don't know. You gotta just roll. Like, I, I don't, don't you. understand what you're talking about. Um, yeah, Kyle, I'm trying to think of like, you know, what would pop the hardest for you in that uh, Nintendo Indie World thing. Like, did Slit, or sorry, Silt do it for you? Can you remind me what that one was? Yeah, this was the one that was exactly... I'll try and pull up the, the B-roll, but this was the one that looked like Inside meets Abzu. Yes. Where you're, you're right. swimming around, it's all black and white world and all that stuff. It seemed, that seemed like a, yeah, a cool little one. Yeah, it cool. There's a weird, like, specific hang-up, but, like, I don't love swimming. Mm. And, in fact, in Inside... I feel like that's like the weakest part of the game is when you're right, oh. right. Um, it's scary but, though, and I don't really like Absu that much either. So, all right, well, so you know, this is not up your alley then, because yeah. you're like, so, but yeah, I don't like but any of the things that it evokes, <laughs> <laughs> some of the parts. But it's like I can overcome it. You know, swimming can be done well. It was done well in Rayman Legends. Oh, oh. That level in Rayman Legends. Well, in Rayman Legends. Oh my god, that level with the Wii U gamepad in particular, playing co-op. That's one of my favorite platforming levels of all time. Like those swimming levels where you have to adjust the light and like slide the things. It's so freaking good. Anyways, uh, that was Silt. Uh, the one that caught my eye the most from this presentation was uh, called Gibbon Beyond the Trees. Did yeah, it's on Arcade too. If you want to, is it really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it was released today on the Nintendo Switch, um, and I, I bought it. It was it was ten bucks. You play as a pink gorilla, so look alive, Kelsey, or I guess a, a pink gibbon more specifically. Um, and it's just really two buttons. You got you can put some spin on it and whatnot. But Kyle, I think you might be interested because it's hold left to run on the ground, let go to jump, and then you can hold mm-hmm. the right trigger to swing. And so it kind of looked like almost like a pixel junk Eden level of like flow to it that I was really interested in uh, based on the demo. So then starting out, um, I'm like on chapter five of this game so far. It doesn't seem too long, especially with a $10 price point. Um, But I really, it's, it's getting me. I think it's really cool to get in that flow, except you really feel terrible when you're like swinging to the trees and everything's going great. And then you just happen to miss something and you fall like falling as a monkey to the ground, especially like off a cliff just feels absolutely horrific. But if you're in the flow and there's like, there's other gibbons that are like grabbing you and launching you further along. And then you can grab onto a vine in just the right moment to get a huge swing rolling. And then of course the gibbon has to make Tarzan noises. Cause I guess you're legally obligated to do that. Look, even Chewbacca had to do it in return of the Jedi. Everybody, if you're swinging has to make <laughs> the stupid Tarzan sounds. Um, well, but I'm, I'm going to get it for uh, a phone right now. Ooh, so. there we go. Um, but the part that, that really got me about it, which I think is like subtly brilliant is it starts out and you're in the forest 
um, and you're swinging through the trees with your monkey brothers. Uh, Jeff, is a gibbon a monkey or an ape? Ape? They're all monkeys. To they, me, okay, man. how Don't dare you? Uh, so you know, you're this gibbon swinging through the trees, but then you'll never guess uh, because humans start to encroach and they start tearing down these trees. So like, it's a very brilliant way of expressing that story of like, okay, deforestation, humans encroaching, because naturally then the trees get more and more sparse, which makes the platforming, quote unquote, or like the swinging through the trees more and more difficult. So it's mm. cool how it kind of syncs up that way. And uh, I, had, I had really one of the most shocking moments of the year so far while playing this game, where I was swinging around as my gibbon friend having a good time, and then missed a jump, and then landed uh, on the ground where it was just the edge of this forest fire. And then my gibbon was lit on fire and he slowly dies out on the ground. Like oh I'm having gosh. a good time swinging through the trees, having a great time screaming. The family Whoa, this console, is so fun. The yeah. Nintendo. So like, <laughs> genuinely, like I, it really shocked me. I'm like, Jesus Christ, just watching this ape burn to death. So uh, yeah. heads up everybody, but gibbon beyond yeah, the trees. Tomb Raider with that death animation, huh? <laughs> yes, like, like, it really like, felt like that. This here? What is this really about? Right, right. Um, um, the gibbons are apes. They are not monkeys. Of course, I no told apes. you, Jeff. Um, how dare you? And of course, Diddy is not a chimpanzee. He's something else. Let's not, you know, let's go oh. where ahead. You know what I mean? All right. Anyways, yeah, Gibbon Beyond the Trees. I'm enjoying it so far on Switch. And it's one of those that are like, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll finish that thing. See how it all wraps up. Uh, we also got this week the big, well. Well, that's it from the showcase? There was like a good amount of games there. There are, like, but we're running a little bit late and Sarah's like tapping her foot like Sonic right now. Like, can I do like a can. two minute? Yeah, what do you can got? Can you give me two? Hold on, Absolutely. Let, me a, let, me, let me get a timer on my watch because y'all okay. know I never shut up. So. That's right. Okay, here we go. Hold on. Can I, wait, can I get three? Because it's just preset. It's ready. I'll try to come in You're going to have to answer to Sarah later, but yes. The longer you take to decide, the longer. Okay, I'm going to start with three. I'll try to be under two. Okay. Ooblets, um, <laughs> finally actually coming out. That game's been in early access forever. Right. It's also coming to Switch. It was previously exclusive on Xbox and PC. That's right. So there's that's a big deal to me. Elekhead, this actually came out last year. I didn't realize it came out last year on PC. It is a puzzle platformer where you're kind of like using your head as like a magnet and like playing with electricity. I think it looks really cool. It has definitely like evocative of almost like Game Boy era, but if like the graphics were better. Uh -huh. um, Soundfall, I don't really care about that much, so I'm just going to skip over that. So I think that's a cool. answer, but more anime style energy uh wild frost i don't like deck builders so i don't know how this will go for me but it is very cute and it's coming out this holiday so i will try it i think it'll be a good holiday game uh, i'm gonna skip over the stuff that i don't care about as much for uh -huh, sake of time uh -huh, we're uh -huh. ofk previously very much playstation indie now yes. also coming to switch so yeah. if you like story stuff go ahead and do that mini motorways awesome game on apple arcade it's a good game. Play it if you haven't. I still think it's better on like a phone, but that's cool. Wayward Strand is one of my favorites from here. It's a really? narrative game where you are a journalist talking to different people in a floating hospital. I don't know why the hospital is floating, whatever, but I think the story, the narrative design sounds very intriguing. Um, Cult of the Lamb is also coming to Switch. That's been on my radar for a long time. Also a Devolver Digital joint, which also uh, Gunbrella is also Devolver Digital. So that's if you're right. into their games this might be up your alley. Um, and then they had like a little montage with a couple extra things. And Card Shark, which has been an anticipated indie for some time, does have a demo available today if you want to check that out. So those are things that I just wanted to quickly highlight. And I did it with one and a half minutes to spare. So Nice. Danny Garcia, ladies and gentlemen. Next time, can you rhyme like it's Hamilton, though? <laughs> um, it depends on how much lead time you give me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. That seems fair. And I'd, I also would kind of rather not, but I can. Will I? That's a good question. <laughs> we would appreciate it, yeah. Uh, hey, Gotham Knights. Uh, this game coming out October 25th. The big announcement this week was they said, it's coming to 
Last generation and current generation, actually, never mind. We're gonna make it current gen only because those last gen versions must have been rough and they realized we ain't got time for that. Uh, so this is the big co-op game from Warner Brothers Montreal. Uh, developers, as we all know, uh, of the beloved uh, Batman Arkham Origins. Um, this is the one where you're playing as everybody who knows and loves Batman, but technically is not Batman. Um, I streamed uh, reactions to it on our YouTube channel. Uh, chat was surprisingly pessimistic about this game i think it looks i think it looks just fine i'm not over the moon about this thing but chat was just lighting up about being like there's just nothing special or standout about this so far did they see red hood like jumping in midair over and over it is kind of weird to see like oh and you know i know it's not technically the arkham world because technically suicide squad is but that's a whole complicated story but even though it's not the arkham world it's still weird to see a character like red hood using like oh they're using their supernatural abilities to help jump across in these mystical leaps and it's like that's weird to see straight up supernatural stuff for their player character in that way you know yeah i i'm excited for this game in, in a lot of ways i'm more excited for it than suicide squad oh just really because like i like that setting more i'm more interested in playing as those characters they've been emphasizing often that it's like it can be played single player which yeah is another like okay cool the thing that worries me is that it won't be very narrative driven and it will feel like you're just doing a bunch of you know, side missions over the course of the whole game because that works well for a co-op experience, right? It's like, oh, I got to go take out five rooftop things. Like, that's my fear of what the game is. But, like, everything else I like. I like Court of Owls. I like that setting. I like the way it looks. I'm really excited to play as uh, a Batgirl. Like, I think she just looks cool. I like Red Hood's jumping abilities. That's awesome. There's a glider for Nightwing. Like, all those things are really enticing to me. Yeah, I mean, they did try to emphasize a little bit of narrative stuff. We're like, okay, this is earlier in the game, and it's Red Hood and Nightwing talking about how much they miss Batman, and they have, like, Batman's mask and a couple other weird shrines yeah, like in their little Dark house. Vader style in, in episode seven. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and they're like, eh, it's a shame Batman had to die. Um, we ran a Twitter poll on MinMax's Twitter account just asking, is Batman going to actually be dead in Gotham Knights? Believe it or not, 65% of people think he's absolutely coming back and will be in the game. So we'll see. Yeah, We'll see yeah. how it goes. I mean, that that would be the crazy... <laughs> that would be the twist, is that they say he's dead and he's actually <laughs> dead. Like, that would be the twist of that game in a weird way. No one saw it coming. It's true. He's just underground. We read the comic, Hanson. He's, you know, he's just losing his mind underground for the duration of the game. Then he comes out that's right it's just it's that's right we have a court of owls uh, max spoilers by the way up on our youtube channel if you want to check that out but it's still wild to me that it's i mean 2015 was arkham knight and it's just weird that it seems like uh the gamers all around the world said yes we love playing as batman give us more batman games and it's now seven years later and we're getting some more DC games, but both of them do not have Batman as a playable character in it. Isn't that weird that it's like, yeah, we know what yeah. you want, but how about seven years later, we give you something else, but dangerously close to what you want. <laughs> no, it's, somebody just let me run around as Batman, please. Yeah. I mean, um, I've done that a lot. I've had a great time doing that. I'm right. ready to run around as other characters. I like playing them in you know, the Arkham games. They always have little side stories and stuff like that. And they, they feel different and they're cool. So I, I'm really excited for Gotham Knights. Oh, nice. Um, you want to predict the Metacritic? 79. 
Okay, but still, you're going in excited. But I will be more positive on it. I'll be like, that Metacritic 79, if I reviewed it, I'd probably give it like 8.5. Eight, right. You're going to go all out Agents of Mayhem on this thing. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, did anybody else watch that demo? Anybody else have thoughts on this thing? 73. 73. All right. Sure. Yeah, I think... Uh, oh, solid. Uh, yeah, people... Um, Jacob Keller in particular was really turned off by like the the RPG mechanics, you know, like going into the menu and seeing like, okay, here's all the equipment. Here's a bunch of arrows going up and arrows going down and all that stuff. And I guess they get that to some extent. They, they made a point early on in the demo of saying, Hey, you can customize the UI, however you want it. Because I guess they got a lot of backlash over the last gameplay demo where there are actually numbers popping off people kind of borderlands or RPG style. And people are like, that's not Arkham. So it seems like you can customize all that stuff. If you want to make it feel more like an action RPG. It's funny. I, I both get it and counter it where it's like that's not arkham it's like well i mean it's not an arkham game <laughs> technically it's not in the title right. it's not being made by rocksteady but then on the other hand i'm like yeah guys it's an arkham game i totally agree with you this is 100 percent arkham game we are trying to capitalize on the popularity of rocksteady's games right, absolutely right. yeah uh, but yeah curious to see how that thing uh, shapes up overall uh hey jeff um, did you know that if you like this show you can help support it directly uh-huh. that's right everybody heading over to patreon.com slash minmax not only do you help support independent games and media which we appreciate but there's also just a bevy straight up a bevy of cool things that you can unlock uh, benefits that people seem happy with so you can jump over there and try it uh, just just do me a favor you don't gotta do anything obnoxious you don't gotta get out your credit card or nothing but if you could just go to patreon.com slash minmax with two ends and just just look at the options and understand what we're offering, I would feel better about that. You're welcome to say no thank you, but I would just feel better if you knew what those options were overall. Uh, including, <laughs> this is not including at all, but we want to point out that we have a giveaway, uh, everybody. Uh, thanks everybody who competed in the giveaway last week. Um, the person who won ended up getting a framed PSP 1000, which is cool. And so this week, if you follow Min Max Show on Twitter, Min Max Show, all one word on Twitter, uh, we are giving away an Astro A40, which is the headset that I use for all of our recordings. Thanks to Astro Gaming, we normally give away one every episode of Trivia Tower. Uh, but this week, follow us on Twitter for a chance to win an Astro A40 headset, which, by the way, is worth hundreds of dollars. So it's a pretty good deal. All you have to do, follow MinMax Show on Twitter. Uh, retweet the tweet that's going up on Thursday. And then also follow us on Twitch. Follow us on Twitch as well, and then you are automatically in the running to win an Astro A40 headset. So please check that out. We would appreciate that. Also, thank you to... Oh, this is a good one. This is why I made bit rules. They want everybody to know that available in their store, they have the Muppet Movie vinyl soundtrack. Reimagined for the first time in over 40 years. It's a completely remastered vinyl soundtrack for the Muppet Movie. Kyle, why are there so many songs about rainbows? Because they occur naturally and are cool, and you always get excited when you see them. That's right. That's great. Uh, you can go to I'm Pit's wonderful online store and buy the Muppet Movie vinyl soundtrack, as well as so many other things, and you can use a promo code, which is mayonnaise. The word mayonnaise, everybody, for 10% off everything under $100 in I'm Pit's wonderful online store. Check them out. Support them, because they support us in a huge way. So the thing about Rainbow Connection that Kermit sings, that song destroys me, by the way. But are there really that many songs about rainbows? Or it's just the one somewhere over the rainbow that's so popular, Kermit just feels like there's a lot of songs about rainbows and what's on the other side. Does anybody know I mean, there's, there's that They Might Be Giants song, Roy G. Biv. 
quite good. Which is exactly what Kermit. That's was what Kermit was talking about. Yes. <laughs> I guess you know if you're a Muppet, everybody is a giant. But the point is, I may be so generous that they are shipping out a copy of The Pathless on the PlayStation Five, one of Kyle's favorites from the last couple of years. A Love physical it. version of The Pathless on PlayStation Five, the I Made Bit Exclusive Edition, and they're shipping that out to whoever has submitted the greatest question or comment to the MinMax Show podcast this week. Again, the way that works, you support us at any tier on Patreon, even $2. You help support independent games and media. You get to submit a question or comment each and every week for the podcast, and then you can win this great prize from IM8. But it's a simple process, and we hope you all enjoy it, and I hope you all enjoy them. Uh, all right. Turns out, the person who's not moving forward in this podcast in the second half is the one and only Kyle Hilliard. I'm sorry, Kyle. Oh. Sorry, I'm sorry. This is how I find out. That's right. That's right. Uh, thanks, Kyle. Thanks for being here, bro. Bye. You want to clap See out? Yeah. Forgot. We clap. Sarah Podzorski, welcome to the show. Hello. I'm sorry we're late with this recording, but just know, just know. How riveting was the Nintendo Dude. Indie Direct that this was delayed? <laughs> How Janet. much could you talk Ask about? Janet. I, you know, I could honestly, like... The last half an hour of that conversation, I was like, is is Hanson late for something? What is he? And then I was like, oh, is he afraid of Sarah? Because yeah. he's he making be. her he wait. Should, he, he messaged me on Slack and he was like, looking like it's going to be 2.30. And I was just like, mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it was, it was, I felt terrible doing that. Uh, but I am naturally scared of uh, Sarah. Well, you but, handed me the baton. Like, don't, don't come at me for my, like, what was right. all of two minutes. You handed me the baton late. And then you're asking why we didn't win the race. You you're were right. making <laughs> your right. I ran the best race I could. I, I, I ran. Here you're, you're tearing you're talking each other about apart. monkeys being on fire for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, like, you know. What was I supposed fine. to do? Like, okay. It's content. Like, wax poetic about what you want to wax poetic about. But I'll be damned <laughs> if we're going to sit here with, like, a 20 or 10 or however many game Nintendo direct and we just like shout right. out to like Ooblets is finally done yeah like it's finally gonna be is it the, i'm the, so glad they yes. got to release an hour of the game every year <laughs> it's fine i know i was thinking of as soon as i saw it i thought of our conversation Sarah, i saw about i thought how, of like, well, Janet. they just don't like make put out the game like and i get it you got to make money along the way like i I am just glad that I can move on with my life. We all are cleansed. We don't have to talk about apes on fire anymore or nothing. We're all ready for this new era of the podcast. Uh, Ricky Winterborn, believe it or not, uh, wrote in just for you, Sarah. I swear. They say, sup, gamer. Sup. Hey. Uh, has your dedication to a console ever changed due to your age slash social group changing? I was always a Nintendo diehard, but the Xbox 360 was so edgy and cool compared to the Wii that I strayed from the righteous path. I <laughs> there was nothing edgier or cooler than the Xbox 360 when it launched. It is scientifically the coolest thing you can do. Um, yeah, has anybody ever changed during that due to age slash social stuff? I did like a big shift when I finally built my PC. Ooh. Like once I was in college and I built my first PC, I, there was a huge shift away from consoles and it's been hard to go back. Yeah. And you, so you struggle? Yeah. Like it just feels weird and constraining every time on a console now? Well, it's like now I'm like console illiterate. Like you should try to watch me navigate the PlayStation menu. No one can. It's horrible. It's, I don't know where I am. <laughs> But like I can, I can handle like Steam, the Epic Game Store, like easily, easily. I get, I, I understand PC. It runs, and then you put me on PlayStation, and I'm just a fish out of water. Do you think that's like age or social group dependent, or you think you just at a certain point realize like, oh, PC is just the place to be for I think smart mine gamers was like social me. Group. No. Uh, a lot of the people I was hanging out with were like getting into more competitive games. 
And with that, naturally, you would choose PC over console. And then I realized, like, like things come out on PC first. Like, Stardew Valley came out on PC first. Like, all the indie games come out on PC first. Or they used to. It's getting more, like, yeah. you know, the timing is more equal. But definitely PC was what... And it's it was just easy. Like, you're already at your PC. You can play whatever game you want. It doesn't matter if your console's attached to your TV or not. I don't know. Yeah. I literally disassembled my PC and shipped it to Japan so I could still have it while I was there. That is very hardcore, and That's we're all dedication. very impressed. I'm yeah. dedicated, yeah. Look, there's no doubt. The PC appreciates it. Um, yeah, anybody else like the age social group thing kind of shifted your generational choices? Um, I, after the Nintendo 64, when, the, when they started talking about the GameCube, I was like, I'm done with this, and I think I'm going to go to Xbox now. And I think part of that had to have been just kind of age and you know i wanted to play shooters and stuff like that that just weren't really nintendo wasn't really catering to at that point and yeah every boy gets but that part of age. that was also like paying 80 dollars for shadows of the empire when i was a kid too and being like this is this is dumb and and now you're doing mini mini discs instead <laughs> of normal you know cds like everyone else they're going to be the wave of the future, man. Many of us are coming back any day now. Did you really, were you disappointed in Shadows of the Empire? I feel like everyone is just so nostalgic about that Hoth level ruled, but like I've never met somebody who yeah, owned it I, as a kid and was like, I mean, Meh. I liked it, but it, but it was, it was a ridiculous amount of money. <laughs> right. Even, I mean, back then too, adjusted for inflation, it was probably like $150 by today's standards. And it's like, and as a, this is, yeah, as a child, and, and even, even back then, you know, like I was reading EGM at that point and it was like there was a lot of talk of like, yeah, this is why you they shouldn't have gone with carts again. Like everyone everyone knew this. It was going to get more expensive and they they did it anyway. And so I was I was also kind of aging into more, you know, like reading about the business side and some of them like those kind of decisions where I was like, hey, I, I don't like any of what this darn nintendo's doing nowadays as you're reading your new york times on the business page looking mm-hmm. at the stocks i understand yep uh flim flam writes in and says what's the best looking console of the current batch do you like the workman like cinder block that is the series x the speaker series s or the insane fast fan concept made real with the playstation 5 mm. I'm always, series s i think Cute. series s it's little i mm-hmm. think series s is the answer here it's the underdog, but it, it's I think it's the cleanest, best looking. The Switch is nice too. I'm, I mean, they didn't list it because I it's like kind of in a weird spot. But I, I was I think the Switch. I was going to say though. once again, are we just like completely discounting the Switch as a console, even though it's sold hundred million copies? Do you think it's better looking than a Series S? I think so. If maybe if you don't get the one with the red and blue Joy Cons on, right? Just solid if you, gray. If you get like a monotone one, yeah, that's a good. That looks nice. Yeah. Yeah, is anybody See, else? Look at that. It's it looks fine. It, no, it, it looks good. Is anybody else weirded out by people who like <laughs> the people online are like talking about the sexy looking hardware? Like, oh, doesn't that look sexy? I feel like that comes yeah, up. Yeah, we talked about little, this. You and yeah. I talked about, it. and then you claim oh, right. that no one does that. So I don't know why you're. I feel like gaslit now by you. <laughs> Wait, did we really <laughs> argue about it? And I said no one does that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I hate when people are like, oh, this is like this is so sexist. Tech is so sexy, and you're like, do people do that? And I'm like, yes, Ben. People make those comments, and then you're like. I don't know if people are actually doing that. And then so. I said, no matter what, Janet, don't forget that we need to move on from the Nintendo Indie World segment as soon as we're done talking about the given. <laughs> like, I remember everything. <laughs> oh, my God. She's got a notebook. 
Uh, hey, look at this, though. Uh, Victor Fan wrote in and says, Obviously, consoles aren't going anywhere anytime soon, but do you eventually see a future where the console model can replace with something else? Maybe something closer to the mobile farm phone market? And then Malcolm Holiday says, My question of the week, it relates to this, saying, Do you think that one day within the future we'll just have one universal gaming platform? Which I, lo- I like thinking about the one console future is like a video game podcast debate from 2007, which I really, I love the idea <laughs> I mean, of this. I'll come back around. That's just the black box fallacy, right? That like one day all technology will just be in a singular black box that we keep in our homes. It's called the Series X. But I really yeah. think, I really think consoles are just going to become PCs at one point. They're just going to be smaller, portable PCs. Whoa. I mean, yeah. Uh, but unless, unless it's a handheld, then they're all going to be Steam decks. Yeah, but that's aren't, kind of the Steam box idea. Already kind of that though. Yeah, like but eventually it'll be like PCs. harder to parse between Xbox and PlayStation. I, I I think there's always going to be companies out there who want to make their own exclusive thing and try and sell you that. And so I think, yeah, the hardware will, will get closer to just being PC architecture inside a box, but someone's always going to make that proprietary and slap their dumb name on it and be like, hey, this is the new future. So I, I don't... And I... it. That goes for the same question of like, is there ever just going to be one console? Like, no, there's always going to be some startup who's like, hey, we can do this better. We can do this different. If, you know, the uh, little play date, like that kind of thing. Like no one needed that. But someone said, hey, let's try yeah. it and let's try and make money doing that. Especially look at like total console sales of every console. The idea that you don't think anyone's going to be nostalgic out of those hundreds and hundreds of millions of people who have bought consoles and enjoyed consoles for in their what? lives. What are they nostalgic for? For that bespoke piece of hardware. I mean, 30 years from what? now, they can still what, tap into like that. A f- whatever, you, whatever, yeah. you, whatever you make, Kyle's going to buy it. We already know it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, I'm I making like, it just for Kyle. I like consoles. Um, so it's like, yeah, Sarah, I'm a plebe. Like, I... <laughs> have nostalgia for little squares of different shapes and there's better ways to game on so many there's like so many reasons not to care but i I like the culture that is around having a console um it's it's like the nerdiest thing ever of like yeah i have like the machine there i have the games like i don't know there's something to that i think i also like the sort of almost time stamping of it um and it was also admittedly my entry point into into gaming i think if i you know different people might feel that way about their relationship in, in PC culture and kind of growing with that and learning how to do the builds and things like that. But I never had that relationship. So it was always about having consoles. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I just think they're neat. I like putting them on my TV. They're <laughs> simple. Right. They are basically like at this point, PCs with weird shells, but I like that. It's also why like I have a PC and I didn't build it and I didn't care to build it. I didn't even care if it cost more, saved more. I'm like, I don't want to build it. One day I'd maybe like, I'd like to just to hone the skill, but I'm like, I am only getting this so that I can play some things that I can't play otherwise. Right. So, yeah. Uh, if you ever need to help building a PC, I'm really good at it. Just ask Jeff on that time that I went up and tried to swap out a motherboard steal, or whatever. Steal the I'm graphics scared card. To do, it just <laughs> it seems such like a really, really expensive Lego. Like we talked about like Lego being expensive. This is yeah. like, I don't want to have to like, it seems like a lot, but maybe one day. Maybe one day. Uh, Ronnie Barrier writes in over on Patreon and asks, Hey, um, I had the most surreal Mother's Day dinner at a fancy Italian restaurant. Uh, my wife's grandmother from across the table half yelled to my father-in-law, and I'm not doing this. Ronnie really wrote in and said, Ben, do the voice, please. So this is what the grandmother said to the father-in-law. Have you seen Uncharted? My head snapped up confusedly as I asked her if she knew that Uncharted was 
a video game? She said no, and the only reason she wanted to watch it was because it was free on the service she was using. Then she'd asked if I'd seen the Mr. Batman yet. <laughs> so my question is, what's the weirdest real-world piercing your gaming world bubble moment you've experienced? Uh, I guess when I was in high school, I was taking a French test, like end of the year final, and I started, and I had just finished the game Eternal Sonata, mm. which is a JRPG that follows the life of Frederick Chopin as he dies. Hell yeah. And the game, it's the game is an absolute fever dream of weaving this weird JRPG fantasy land full of music and everybody has musical names like polka and salsa. And his his actual depressing life, he's laying in bed dying, and it like the cutscenes go on top of each other. And the French test was a reading. I had just finished the game, and the French test was a reading all about Frederick Chopin and his life. Oh, and the wow. questions were all questions that had been answered in the game. Like, it's like Slumdog Millionaire. Where did he die? Like, what? And I literally didn't even do the reading. I just filled out the questions and I got like, that was the best grade I ever got in that class. Wow. Way yeah. to go. Eternal Sonata. That rules. I want more RPGs based on real artists lives. Please. Is it too much to ask? I love that. That's perfect. Steister writes in over on Patreon and says, Hey, CLCs, uh, I always get incredibly hyped when there's a Nintendo Direct type announcement video. Back in the days of E3, my friends and I would even make an event out of the press conferences. Gathering at someone's house and watching the events live together. Do you have any great memories of watching a video game event like these? Yeah. I mean, I, it, we're, we're spoiled, Jeff, because we got to watch it all as a big group at Game Informer for so many years, which was the most fun, was just cracking wise while watching press conferences, even if we weren't streaming our reactions because... Who would possibly want to see that? No, no, no yeah. Uh, it, it's much better for all of us to try and write everything down as fast as we could <laughs> and then put up super fast written news stories about it all. That's the future. Uh, no, I remember, I think for me, the most memorable was, I remember watching some at like, you know, my old friend Ronnie's house and stuff. Um, but then I remember it was freshman year. We were all, we were heading out of the dorms, like packing up the dorm room and all I had left was like a beanbag on the floor and like me and my roommates were watching like the E3 2006 press conferences on this little computer monitor. And it's like, oh, it's a very nice time and a place for just like wrapping up the first year of college. And now let's learn about the price of the PlayStation 3 together, you know? So it was quaint, you know? Anybody else get together with friends or anything to, to watch these? Well, I was a child. So uh -huh. it was like the summer and I was off of school mm. and I didn't really grow up with video game friends. So I just remember like watching, sitting at the kitchen table, you know, summer break in your pajamas, like hunched over a p uh, computer, trying to navigate, trying to find like the conferences on IGN's website and like trying to navigate around Babe of the Day or whatever <laughs> it was. And I just remember like trying to find out what was going on at E3, but like. There's also a huge girl in a bra on the front cover of IGN. And that was like my first like something's going on in the industry and I don't really understand it. Oh, I am too young. The season I have like of the same things. story. Mm -hmm. So it was like a little bit more modern because I wasn't, you know, it was like not that many years ago. But yeah, same literally like kitchen table. Like I mean, I may have two. My favorite memory probably is still like watching the conference in person because that was like a life dream of mine um, that I got to do at E3 2019. Uh, it was the Xbox showcase and it was awesome. Um, and other than that, it's like literally the first thing I thought of was summer break, kitchen table, 
relaxing by myself and my brother was working Mm -hmm. like a little tiny like crummy laptop or netbook and i was eating a bowl of pozole and i was i was having the time of my life though i was living i was like this is great you know like next conference is up here i was literally and figuratively eating it up um that's my memory (laughs) uh david dubs writes in and apparently heard us because he says hey everybody simple question what's the best thing you've ever eaten other than what janet just said in that specific instance best thing that's tough like it's not favorite food right it's like the best specific thing this is not maybe number one but one that came to mind is um had like a bachelor party weekend which we talked about on party chat our patreon exclusive podcast um but you know it was just a lot of pizza and chips and beer for the entire weekend and then a friend of mine made my favorite dish from my favorite restaurant which is churrasco de res from chimborazo jeff i'm you know chimborazo up in northeast minneapolis right Mm-hmm. there we go um and so like the idea of going off of like just days of chips and beer and then getting somebody to cook you steak and like plantains and rice and beans like well this is it it filled my tank and so i'll say that is objectively the best thing i've ever eaten because context matters I so, think. so the best thing you've ever eaten was like two weeks ago <laughs> or maybe that's, it's the one that came to mind. Who can tell? That's what so far back. What are you going to interrogate me? Recency Come on. bias at its best. <laughs> God's right, favorite. Here, what? eating his best meal every other day. Um, God's just favorite. gets more and more of a delicious <laughs> life until finally collapses over and passes on to the, the next cycle. Um, that's right. I don't know what mine would be. I mean, I've had a lot of great meals. Um, like, I used to love going to this place in Chicago called Pilsen, uh, in the neighborhood Pilsen. And they had a Tuesday, like, special that was $15 BBB beer burger bourbon you get a shot of bourbon Mm. a beer and the chef decides what the burger is and like I love venturing into like what a chef actually thinks of like not what I would pick I'm like I don't know food you tell me what I should be eating and I'll eat it so those were great and then I just want to quickly shout out also Chicago Um, I used to work at a brewery called Moody Tongue and they are among their food known for their 12 layer German chocolate cake and it is uh, every other layer is chocolate cake but it starts with ground espresso speckled cheesecake toasted pecan and coconut caramel filling chocolate buttercream more ground espresso speckled cheesecake toasted pecan and coconut caramel filling buttercream again and then it just like stacks like that so it's like in it's like a 15 dollars slice but it's huge you can share it with like several people and it is absolutely delicious and absolutely worth the price it is like the best dessert i've ever had in my life that sounds great that sounds great uh Jeff, um, you good? I I would be delighted if you jumped in. I saw your mouth slowly forming words. Perfect. Yes, uh, that's because I was thinking of eating it again. Uh, <laughs> it was Sal's Pizza in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It was really? like a block away from where I lived when I was there with my brother, and so we ate there all the time. And every time I've gone back, I have made the trek. I've been on I've been on business trips at Game Informer where it's yeah. like. I'm in New York for one night and I'm going to navigate the subways again and go back to Sal's Pizza, get a nice slice of authentic New York pizza. And it's been worth it every time. That sounds great. Uh, Christian Jimenez writes in and says, hello. Hi, hi, Christian. Hi. 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 Um, EA just confirmed. Hang on. Sarah, did you not say hi to Christian? I'm so, I would like to apologize to Christian and his family. Thank you. Thank you. Um, he accepts the apology. Uh, EA just confirmed the renaming of their FIFA games to EA Sports FC. How do you think this will affect sales in the future? 
This, I've been barely paying attention to this, but it is truly wild, the idea that EA is separating from FIFA, because everybody just calls those games FIFA, and that they went with EA Sports FC. Just, what, just call it EA Soccer. Why not? I don't understand. EA Soccer doesn't sound that good either, though. I mean, I'm not a big fan of the new name. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, I love FIFA. I'm still going to be buying it every year, but... Wow. Yeah, um, I I hope not. I feel like if it does, it'll be one of those classic. And this is no shade to these articles because, like, I you know we cover like the ebbs and flows of the industry. But you know, it'll be that classic. Oh, sold like ten percent less or something, and it's like that doesn't really mean anything or matter. Um, I feel like the people that are hardcore into FIFA know what's going on with FIFA, even if FIFA is not called FIFA. Right. What I'm more interested in is what is going to go on with like FIFA the organization. Um, which also, to be clear, that is why they're not doing the name, because it's an actual name of the soccer organization. Right. And they, the licensing did not work out to, like, have them renew, whether that's because, you know, somebody wanted the price too high or they just ultimately didn't decide to... It did not work out as, like, a contract. Sure. So. And FIFA's a, not exactly the most stellar organization from the very no, little FIFA's I understand. FIFA's super corrupt. Very okay. documentedly, obviously corrupt. I mean, right. I don't think it has to do with, like, the EA stuff necessarily, but, like, literally, what is it? The next World Cup is in Qatar out of straight-up corruption. It is an inhospitable environment to run soccer. They have to build stadiums that are air-conditioned to even run it. Like, yeah. it is, like, the most but clearly corrupt thing. But they got that money, yeah. You know, FIFA's, FIFA's, like, genuinely awful as an organization. I, I'm curious to see sales. I think it'll have a slight hit. I mean, I imagine the majority of people buying FIFA, I don't know, or just like, ah, oh, the soccer game, the EA thing. They just go and see FIFA and pick it up every year or buy it digitally. And they like, well, that's, that's the GameStop employees um, wait to bear now, unfortunately. That's right. That's right. You're like, hey, it. everyone they, know, like, you know, I'm more worried for the people at, oh, God, it's just going to be a retail. It's going to be a little bit of a retail nightmare, I feel like, slightly. Well, yeah, and then yeah, what? They, they, sh- they should have just. EA Sports FC is a terrible name. They should have gone with, like, not legally FIFA. Right, right. Yeah, dumb. But, but it's still the same game. I can't you know, believe it's not FIFA. Yeah. Or you there just, you go. I can't believe it's not FIFA. You take the Nathan for you approach and just call it dumb FIFA. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, yeah. I guess it's a parody. I guess I got to buy it now. Um, let's see. Everybody here has seen Nathan for you, right? Is everybody fully on board? Okay. Janet, Sarah, have you watched Nathan for you? Yes. Okay, thank you. No. Thank you. Thank you for at least hearing me, even if you're lying, Sarah. Uh, Sarah, you shook, <laughs> your, you shook your head when you said yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, Luke writes in over here and says, Game time! Look alive, everybody. I love using the quantity of Steam reviews to get a rough sense of how popular a game is. So I'll present two games. You have to guess which game has more reviews on Steam. Jeff, Fallout 4 or Fallout New Vegas? Fallout New Vegas. Fallout 4, you fool. Jeff, Red Dead Redemption 2 or Cyberpunk 2077? Um, Cyberpunk. Correct. Everybody was... They're all negative, right? How mad people are at the game. I think that's for some of it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay, what about the cool route? Uh, Sarah, Vampire Survivors or Loop Hero? I want to say Loop Hero. It's Vampire Survivors at 90k. Uh, Janet, Phasmophobia... Or Valheim? Oh, man, that's a good one. Um, Phasmophobia. Correct! Way to go! And Sarah, The Outer Worlds or The Outer Wilds? The great matchup. Which has more Steam reviews? I need it to be Outer Wilds. It is Outer Wilds no, at 32k. You're right. Got one last song. Panic for a minute. <laughs> Never doubt yourself. 
Uh, Matthew W. writes in, oh, great question, Matthew, and they ask, what makes for a great video game town? The characters living there, the music, engrossing side quests, being nestled by an idyllic, picturesque countryside surrounded by mountains? Um, that does sound good. I think you've answered all your all your questions here. Whatever um, Pokemon Arceus isn't. <laughs> oh, oh, my dear. God, that's how... Honestly, that is, Sarah, I think, the worst town that I've trashed. ever been to. That town is a hot pile of garbage. What do you mean? It's got one straight river going through it. There's a Bidoof building uh, I will say all the houses are building. in a row. The best thing about that town is um, the salon. But even that has flaws. So, right. And I like the weird Pokemon Sears, which also has flaws. Um, I think for me, it's like having stuff that you can do and feeling like you're having like if you're even if you're not impacting the town that you're engaging actively with the town that the town almost feels like its own little character mm-hmm. um it should feel like home like i liked i don't know if this ca- i mean it is a town so i guess it counts like i didn't play very far in fable but when i started playing that i was living for being like oh i'm i'm gigging as the blacksmith and it's like not the most insane gameplay but just feeling like there's stuff to do i'm going around and like things are happening there's like ta- you know it, it should feel lived in yeah like i can live in it right right i like the idea of personality i think some of that comes from music obviously like layout clearly understandable but also dynamic enough multiple layers elevation mm-hmm. changes you want some of that i think that's another problem with that pokemon arceus town which... i never knew where my house was that was my number one beef with mm. that and there yep. was only like 10 houses and i also <laughs> yeah. never knew where it was <laughs> i was constantly walking to other people's homes i hated that I think JRPGs do towns well, like Tales games, Final Fantasy games. They're usually like, they're busy enough that it feels like an active city, but not so busy that you're lost constantly. Right. Going in the wrong direction. Like, they do it well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of even like Final Fantasy VII. What would be like the best towns? Like, Costa del Sol just is the vibiest, you know, and a lot of that's just the music. And even though there's not like a bunch of activities there, it just feels like you are, you are in a place right now. So distinct from anywhere else. Um, great question, Matthew. Zane Dukas writes in, or just Dukes, whatever you prefer. Um, interesting question. Let me just read it. I'll stop judging it before I read it. Um, and, and they ask, uh, what's, what's the, this meeting should have been an email of video games. <laughs> of video games. This meeting should have been an email. It, it's a good thinker. Andrew Burns replied to that comment on Patreon, which I think is the only correct answer here. And Andrew Burns suggested God of War Ascension is the meeting that should have been an email. We get it. We get the idea. It's a prequel about God of War. He's angry. You know? Was that the one with, like, the goat men that you were... Maybe. I remember the, the big moment that they were marketing was, like, the elephant. Like, you rip out this elephant's mm. eye or something. Isn't that, isn't that the thing? Yeah. That sounds about right. Now buy it. Anybody yeah. else have thoughts? Mine, like, ooh, yeah. mine would probably upset people and again i think it's just me but um tiny tiny tina's thing oh, i think in part because it was it's it was based on dlc to begin with but that whole thing just felt and i i didn't play through the entire thing so that is yeah. also on me don't you know i know people love it and that's great but it felt you know kind of smaller in scope and you know a fun offshoot certainly but but that was giving me real dlc vibes yeah, I get it. Um, I think um, I think I've been really spoiled with meetings in my life. Like I know everyone complains about meetings all the time, but like Jeff, I'm, I feel like I was 
pushing for more meetings at Game Informer. I feel like meetings were a very rare thing. It's like, hey. I think most of us were. <laughs> it's a weird we need, thing. We need a meeting to discuss these kind of things. <laughs> what are we doing? It, you know, I was like, oh, we don't want meetings. And it's like, no, we really yeah. we Meetings really are the thing everybody help. complains about. It would about. help with our daily job. <laughs> I, is anybody else, are meetings really like a, a curse of your existence? Is this a big thing for, for Janet and Sarah? I'm in a lot of meetings. Yeah. I hated meetings when I had to do them. It, was IGN a big meeting place? Yeah, a really big meeting place. I actually wasn't in as many meetings as a lot of other people, but I yeah. still felt like there was a lot of... I felt like there was a lot of times where I'm like, where do I work in between of? Even though I really didn't have that many meetings, it just kind of felt that way. Huh. I don't know why. I, and in general, I just don't like doing a lot of meetings. Like we have, you know, inside baseball, we have like our one main meeting. That's good. Cool. Oh, one. Or like I think yeah. kind of funny also inside baseball. I think they only have one as well. Um, I think... I don't think you need that many no. is the thing. Like... Like IGN has a, like a 10 minute meeting every single morning. Um, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm happy with our efficient Monday meetings. And there's like the all next. hands and yeah, the whole thing. I don't know. I, I think that we trimmed off 20 minutes from every MinMax meeting every week by not trying to workshop the new show plus names on the call. It just eventually mm. got to the point of like, let's just come up with a show and I'll just, I'll single handedly come up with a you lazy know what's funny? I didn't even realize that that stopped happening. It happened and it really, really shaved a lot of time off. Yeah, now that you say it, yeah. Yeah. Oh I mean, should, do we want to spend no. 20 more minutes talking nope. to each no. other? Okay. No, Look, I think it's good. okay. God like, I, don't, I didn't hate it. I wasn't like, why are we doing this? But it did feel like. It felt like that was the identity of the meeting, though. I'm like, <laughs> yes. we spent this, this is the thing that we did. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I didn't notice that it went away. It's very impressive. Right? It, was, it was always 90% like, okay, I'm going to say a joke title that we'll never actually use. Like mm-hmm. House Hunter Rise. What, what's, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Jeremy McPhail writes in and says, hey, Benny and the Maxers. Hello. Um, I fall in love with the look, cinematic claymation, they say, of Trek to Yomi and can't remember the last time the look of a game had me this captivated. It plays well enough. It's a bit wonky timing on parries, though. Have you ever stuck with a game that you feel is good, but not great, just because of how much you love the style? Yeah, it was Trek to Yomi. <laughs> is that right? So, okay. Janet, you played it, and then Sarah, you also streamed it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I finished it. Oh, you finished it? Congratulations. It's, nice. It's not, it's not that long. I'd say it's like eight hours, less than eight hours. Mm-hmm. This was one of your most anticipated games of the year. Well, it was one that I was looking forward to, right. and I will say the cinematic experience of it and the way it looks exceeded my expectations. Oh, like, really? The stuff that they were doing, the stuff that they were pulling in like the foreground and the background, and where you there you they would put your character in relative to the surroundings was amazing. I don't think any game should be allowed to call itself cinematic anymore, <laughs> unless it does what Trek to Yomi did. Like what? Don't lie to me. Like that game was like it, cinematic doesn't mean you had an interesting cutscene and you looked over a character's shoulder anymore. Like, yeah, it's really like, stunning. This, this is stunning. It looks just like a Kurosawa. It looks like a samurai movie. Yeah, it, it looks amazing. Like you'll be fighting on a bridge, and then it'll be a really epic fight, and then all of a sudden the fight ends, and like a tiny boat will drift under the bridge towards you, towards your perspective, just full of bodies, full of arrows. Just very peacefully, very quietly. That's cool. It's all about the little details. So little details, but overall, you weren't digging it too much. The story could have used some workshopping, sure. and the combat could have used some workshopping. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> other but than that, overall, it looked amazing. Here's the thing. Okay, hold on. I wanna, I wanna defend this game please, a little please, bit because I and I probably feel the same that Sarah does. Like ultimately, like. 
the game was solid. Like, I don't think it's a must play is kind of where I like my colloquial review is like, it's not a must play, but like, I think it's worth checking. If you're interested in it, if you've seen the marketing and you're like, hey, I was interested in this, I think check it out. I don't think let the, I would advise people not to let the negative reviews deter you because I think if you were initially engrossed from that look, you will get that look at a level that frankly did wow me as well, Sarah. Like, Mm. I think what they really did well in this game visually is what you mentioned with that camera work because it allows you to constantly feel engaged. It's kind of like what I we talk, I mentioned this like when we were talking about editing and how I like learned that you're supposed to like if you have audio underneath like a song, it should only go for like I think two minutes or like 90 seconds or something before you change to a different song to keep the like viewers attention. And it's like that in Trek to Yomi where there's like I never knew where they were going to place me or how they were going to kind of layer things. I think they also really killed it with the um parts that have exploration to them like it really isn't just a left to right or you know foreground to background like there are moments where okay now i can go into this house and i fight and it has like a lot of i think really strong elements to it um in the comment i think is actually pretty solid i do have that parry that same parry beef um and i think kind of everyone does which is probably a bad sign right yeah. but i don't think the combat i wouldn't call it bad i think it just needed a little bit of tightening mm-hmm. um but yeah like i think i for me i i'll finish a game if i like it enough to finish it and part of that is sometimes length like for me like you know i talk about that on Guardi- guardians i love the story but i was like you know what this gameplay i'm not really feeling it and i got a lot of hours i don't think i want to do all those hours so i haven't yet maybe i will one day it's good um check to yomi i'm like it's pretty short it looks good it's pretty solid Let's like let's let's see this through. Why not? I'm already here. Like yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, the nice thing too is for that level of review, I think on the two of you, it's like it's on Game Pass. Like it it seems like it's worth experiencing just as a, as a unique. Yeah. If you don't recall, everybody, this is the the kind of two and a half D black and white uh, samurai game that PlayStation's been pushing a fair bit in there direction whatnot uh jodine writes in and says hey clcs uh in the chibi robo playthrough do you remember this sarah um by the way only yeah, too well that's right we streamed the first half and of chibi game. robo on twitch it is it is cool it is a very unique game that's a very time and a place thing with the developers partnering with nintendo and creating a very quirky weird gamecube game but we're halfway through it we streamed through uh, we streamed eight hours uh when was that sir last weekend i guess on twitch yeah um anyway so jodine watched it thank you jodine um they say uh hey clcs in the chibi robo playthrough ben asked where the overconfident but not really effective soldier character comes from like that archetype a la buzz lightyear captain quark do you know what i'm talking about jeff um that kind of phil hartman esque Mm -hmm. well it may not be the origins one of the earliest examples i can think of is il capitano from commedia del arte I know I'm probably blowing that. Uh, Il Capitano is a stock character in the masked improv comedy of Commedia dell'arte. Art, sorry, it's Italian, I don't speak it. Uh, traditionally portrayed by an actor wearing a mask with a big nose. He is boisterous and full of bravado, but is actually a coward or a buffoon. According to a cursory Google, Il Capitano is inspired by, of course, Platus's Miles Gloriosus and Terence's Eunuchicus. And I hope you find that interesting. Now, Sarah, based on the slow sip from your straw, do you find that level of research interesting? I honestly don't even remember you saying that during the stream. (laughs) It's all a blur. I've blacked it out completely. (laughs) Well, get ready for part two this Friday, everybody. We're finishing Chibi Rambo. Give us a follow on Twitch. We'd appreciate it. Uh, Jeff Cork and Sarah. What do yeah, I call it? Rambo? Say Chibi Rambo? Chibi Rambo. <laughs> to be fair, that's what, that's what Court called it for years, so it's ingrained in my brain. He was chanting how much he wanted to play also, Chibi Rambo. Also, can someone do that edit? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, they can. I believe that the people can. Um, and Attack Corgi writes in and says, Hello, MinMaxers. What used to be a popular gaming trend that everybody just forgot about? Motion gaming, for example, or Xbox or Sony avatars for another. Thank you so much. Yeah, popular gaming trend that everyone seemingly forgot about. I don't know about popular, but one that I'm still fascinated by, and apparently it was 10 years ago. Uh, remember this uh, smart glass, Jeffum? Do you remember the second screen experience? How like one E3 yes. was just all about Microsoft pushing the smart glass second screen experience. I went back and watched that video, and it's so bizarre to see people playing like this janky version of Elder Scrolls and like looking at their phone for the map and all that stuff. Like, oh, you're not really gaming unless you're using your phone at the same time for a second screen. It's such a weird idea. Like, I remember the, um, the, we did a cover story back at Game Informer for Phantom Pain for Metal Gear Solid 5 and also Ground Zeroes. I guess it was primarily Ground Zeroes. But I remember that was a big thing for them is we were playing Ground Zeroes at Kojima Productions and, uh, and they were pushing, I think it was because of their Xbox partnership, they were pushing the smart glass experience in such a ridiculously big way. Like, look, isn't this cool? You should write about this a lot in the article. Look at the map is like on the on your phone the whole time. It's a second screen experience. Look at this. And it's like, Dan Record is writing the cover story. He's like, hey, I think Tim was writing the cover story. He's just like, hey, I might mention it once. Like, this really is not changing the way we're playing it. But just for like, yeah. we have all of Metal Gear Solid Five to talk about. We're not going to talk about where we looked at to see the map, everybody. Come on. I don't know. But yeah, Jeff, I just want to jump out to you for something um, that we just don't talk about anymore. Yeah, just the the idea of like quantifying how big the the world map is mm. used to be such a huge thing that like every game it. and and it, it became a meme of like of reporters asking that question like you would get laughed out of a room if you were at like an E3 conference or something and it was always no offense but it was always like a European reporter who would be like, Numbers. how big is the game world? And it was like, shut up, boo, <laughs> get out of here. No one cares. We don't like numbers, even though that's what people will click on. Come on. Yeah, people totally yeah. care about how big is the game world. Totally. I definitely mm-hmm. will. I will unabashedly ask that and then have to break it out because people care. Like, yep. No one cares about the other stuff that is asked. <laughs> yep, 100%. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like that has, like, now the talking, like, that's not even a talking point anymore. It's just like, yeah, the world's huge. Don't. Don't worry about it. Yeah, relax. Uh, let's see. Darkfish days. What's a mundane task that you feel a sense of accomplishment whenever you do it? Putting away the laundry if I did it the same day that I did the laundry. So all in one day, the full laundry sweep, mm-hmm. the trifecta. Yeah, that would be a huge 100% run in my completionist run of the laundry. Yes. Wait, do people not normally do that? No. Do you do that all the time? You're a psychopath. That's the default. I mean, you have to put the laundry away when it's warm. Otherwise, there's no point. It's fun to touch the warm clothes. What are we, Yours what? Is okay, first of all, it is fun to touch the warm clothes. Also, yeah. if you've never, like, put all the warm clothes on the bed and then just, like, laid into it, like a little, uh, like a little possum, you haven't really lived. That's called no, doing I laundry. Do that. I have to really try. Like, I've only started to, I think I've done it the last two times. That's, like, my current streak, too. And I'm really trying to be that person. No, Rap. you're just better than me, Ben, which I feel like we kind of suspected in certain Do you aspects, can't say maybe. that. Come on, come on. You're better at content. Janet, we've already oh, talked thanks. about anyway, this. Anyway, we on. can stop kissing each other's ass, but that's my <laughs> task that I put out there. That's good. That's a good one, I guess. Anybody else have thoughts, or is everybody else just a failure in every aspect of life? Um, when I cook a fried egg perfectly, that always Ooh. is very sensitive. Really nice, yeah. And what it's it, like... 
burned to a it's crisp? Like, no, yeah, oh. it has to be just cooked enough to get it out of the pan, but hopefully nothing on the bottom is browned at all. Mm. Um, That's and good. Like most days, I get maybe like eighty percent of the way there, and then like. Maybe once a week I'll get one that's like, ah, oh, this was perfect. And I love that it. one tastes so much better. Yeah. So it's, it's not even about the way it was cooked. It was it was just the perfection of cooking it. That's right. Pelican Man writes in and says, I know this crew isn't big into graphics and games. How dare you, Pelican Man? You think you know us. Uh, but do you have a pet peeve in graphics that you just can't stand? For me, bad anti-aliasing with all those jaggies dancing around is a real eyesore and very distracting. It makes it hard to go back to a lot of the 360-slash-PS3-era games where it was Jaggy's City. Yeah, like Shadows in that generation. I mean, I think even now, still pretty rough. The one that gets me, speaking of Guardians of the Galaxy, it was a big one in that, where they would try and have like a shallow depth of field for the characters, so the background's all blurred out and stuff, but like around their hair, you could still see it was like deep focus in like these pockets around their head. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you can kind of see that like they're artificially putting the depth of field on there and then it just doesn't quite cut so like, around the like hair. Like when someone like blurs their zoom background, but yes, you can kind of see around their head, you yes. can still see exactly to the background. Yeah, I know what you're talking it about. It looks like that in games. That type of stuff drives me nuts. Uh, I don't know. Sarah, you got one that jumps to your mind? Um, I'm tired of seeing characters' pores on their face. No more pores. I mean, I don't think we need to get that realistic mm. with when it comes to like human. Like I don't, I like it to be a little bit stylistic. Like I don't need to see like, you know, scruff or like the pores on a character's face. Hmm. You know, you don't need to work that hard. Well, you also like, you know, anime games and stuff like you'd rather yeah, just have everybody my people attractive <laughs> is what I'm saying. I don't want any of these realistic people in my video games. Right. Hotties only. Right. Absolutely. Um, you hear that world? <laughs> or <laughs> Ray Sweat writes in. Speaking of realistic, uh, and they say, "Hey, everybody! My daughter is four and loves everything Sonic right now, which is great for a Genesis baby like me. She's currently getting her enjoyment out of watching a YouTube playthrough of Sonic Adventure 2. Come on, that's cute. Oh my god! <laughs> watching this, I realized how fun that Dreamcast slash GameCube generation was. See, Sarah, everybody lumps the Dreamcast together with." GameCube. They are sister consoles. I don't, I don't know who this everyone is. It's Ray Sweat's doing person. it. Jeff Cork, we talked about it a lot in the Shibi Robo stream. They are number one sister consoles. Anyways, uh, looking back, it was probably my favorite because of how video gamey everything used to be back in the generation. I miss the cutscenes where the characters look like wax figures and we thought it was realistic. Anyways, what's your favorite generation and why? I mean, it, it's all about age, right? But that, that 128 generation, like PS2, GameCube, Xbox, that's that feels like my favorite generation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that just everybody's? Jeffum? No. What are you going with, man? I would probably say now. Okay. Honestly. Really? Because, like, the AAA games are great nowadays, and I can play everything else. You know, like, it's the best time for indie games, and yeah. everything else that I, that I appreciated from, like, the Super Nintendo era or whatever, I can play on whatever whatever console I want because it's all well maybe Nintendo makes it a little harder than most companies but otherwise alright 
Look, so, that's a fine answer. I know that sucks. I, I know that's it a sucks. lame answer. Sorry. It's just, it's just deflating, I guess. Uh, Mason Parker writes in and says, Better quest goal here. Hell yeah, we like to see it. Over the past two years, I've been writing a fantasy novel. I finished it last year, but decided to shelf it after not thinking it was good enough. I've come back to it and decided to self-publish it through Amazon. I'm going to go through it one last time to tighten it up. Hell yeah. My actual goal is this, to definitively finish it to the best of my ability and publish it to the Amazon Kindle store before the end of June. It's always been a dream of mine to be a writer. I want to stick to it. So this is me putting it out there. I'll update it when I publish it. Hell yeah. Please write in again. Um, and this is your incentive. We, You can plug it on this podcast. If you write in with the name of that thing, that is your incentive. You got to finish it though. We're not going to plug any half-finished books, by God. Uh, keep going, Mason. Good job. Uh, Canadian writes in and says, my personal goal, not sure if it's Better Quest, but we'll count it as Better Quest, is to start engaging with the MinMax community more, including submitting questions. The MinMax Twitter has been very responsive to my questions. Hey, look at that. And the Discord as well. I played some Valorant last night with people from MinMax after uh, talking in the community gaming channel. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. it's If you're Thanks. looking for a group to... Group of good people to play some games with. Go to that MinMax Discord. You get access to it by supporting us on Patreon. Uh, Bryce Blackmore writes in and asks, What do you think is enough in the real world to lose one HP? <laughs> so how would you lose one HP in the real world? Bryce, stubbing your toe. Stubbing mm-hmm. your toe. That feels like more than one. If that's one, I don't want to know what 60 is. Yeah, it's only one. I feel like it's one. Well, How is that not one? It hurts. It hurts bad. One HP out of like, let's say a hundred total. It, I think, well, I don't know how dramatic uh-huh. your toe is versus just getting like a bruise on. Like for me, I, we, our desks are really close together. Like me and Isaiah's yeah. and walking in between, you have to slightly turn. And sometimes I forget to turn and I hit my like leg on the desk and I'll get like a small bruise. I that, feel like that's my one HP. That's, that's a good one HP. But Bryce suggested for one I HP, mean, smelling a nasty fart, someone poking you, biting your tongue, biting your tongue. That feels like a, Four to five. If there's like blood, how okay. hard are y'all? Hansen, 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 you understand blood. what points are? Yeah, yeah. If you have a if you lose all your hit points, you're dead, right? So that's right. the yeah. one end of the spectrum, right? This is as inconsequential as you can get. Is one HP, right? Right. And I'm saying stubbing your toe is not as inconsequential so as you can get. So what's one HP to you? I think it's Janice thing of bumping into a desk. <laughs> Right, because like, like, is the stub? How's, how's that worse? How do you define stubbing your toe? your toe? Isn't it like you just kind of jam, like you hit it, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit like it a, and it hurts for like ten seconds. And yeah, then but you, you normally let life. out a curse word. Whereas if I bumped a desk, I wouldn't be like ah, I wouldn't scream about it. But if you're getting bruised from the desk, that's worse yeah. than worse than I don't stubbing your toe. So. I don't. Think I might so. scream, but I scream for everything. So, well, we all Not scream for ice cream. I want Ben just to rape. Yeah, right. Oh, is this a new show plus show? Ben rates ben pain. Rates pain. <laughs> yeah, we actually, I would actually love that show. Like us just taking different things and saying how much. Well, HP apparently everything's nine out of ten for Ben. Well, okay, so. well, okay, I'm trying to think of like ben universal. Ben is on death's door every second of every day. <laughs> I'm trying to think of universal things that like everybody experiences the same way for pain. Because stubbing, there's there's a lot of variety there. Yeah, it's it's an analog spectrum for a stub. What about like getting a shot? Right, by and large, it's going to feel the same for everybody. That feels like a 2 HP? No, unless, two to it, one? Like, unless you have uh, side effects from this shot. Like, I well, think if you forget get, like, that. Forget that. Vaccine, Just a needle, needle going in your arm. That's like a 1 to 2? I think you're just sore. Like, I don't think you're approaching death, yeah. you know? Approaching that, death. I, yeah, you're not. It's not that's, 99. That's why. That's That would be less than stubbing your toe, I think. Yeah. I can, I can sit there longer, and, but isn't... I can sit there and prepare for a shot. 
and it doesn't bother me. Yeah, that's like true. I feel it going in, but it's like okay, that's fine. If I stub my toe, and that's that's smart, man. Yeah, which is why it's more than one. That's what I'm saying. It's it, but it's still I. No, Jeff, are you willing to tell me that if you stub your toe a hundred times, you wouldn't die? I'm kind of flipping my <laughs> argument, but that's a weird idea. Well, wouldn't that be an argument great, that it's one? Great argument. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. That's how my grandma went. Hanson, you yeah. at the beginning of this, you said <laughs> stubbing your toe was like a 60. So I don't know 60? what kind of crazy scale. I said six. I, I said six. Um, okay. I don't know. Well, okay. Jeff, you still haven't given me a one then. You just didn't accept our one. We gave you the what, one. What are you insane? <laughs> stubbing my stubbing your toe is still a one. Are you nuts? <laughs> Look, the point is Andrew Nelsley right in as well. They wrote in and they say, I want to throw my support behind Ben. Oh, look at this. Uh, for the general disliking of subtitled content. Oh. I, all right. Um, also, hey, what is the oldest game you still enjoy playing today? Asked Andrew. Pong. Pong is, yeah, that's good. Pong's probably the answer, I mean, to be honest. I mean, it's kind of a boring answer, but... Well, I think Asteroids, I think it's still fun. That's 77, I think. I looked it up earlier today. Uh, Pong is probably the right answer. If you have even just, like, basic Pong, like, I feel like I was at an arcade and they had an elaborate version of Pong there, and turns out it was still, with the basic gameplay, still fun. Yeah. Robotron. yeah. 72 for Pong, yeah. Robotron, yeah, Adve- which is 1982, it, is still awesome, but Adventures uh, still pretty fun. Come so on. it's a bit frustrating, but come on, let's let's no, Janet, no, we're not going to accept that. That's it's not welcome. It's not welcome. You don't like adventure? Not, You're an anti-adventure. I don't think I've ever played adventure. To be fair, bodies only. Yeah, adventures doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, the pixels aren't hot enough. Pixels, right. yeah. yeah, you know how it goes. Uh, Sarah, you don't like old games. I mean. I'll play them, but I don't think I'm like, oh man, is that Pong? Like, sign me up. <laughs> okay, but have you played the in-person, like, well, in-person Pong? Isn't like, that just like what? air like, hockey? Machine? Isn't that just air hockey? Yeah. Honestly, no one's ever put it that way, but it feels a little different. Right. Because you're, and also your turn, like air hockey, it's you're doing the movement with like your arm and your body. This is you just doing the turning. And it's very, very fun. Mm. It's like one of my favorite ways to play Pong. Hell yeah. Char- you just sit down on the other side of the table, Sarah, and you tell me you're not having a good time. Yeah, we're going to monitor your face. <laughs> and I'll have to mourn that reality, but I want you to just try it at least. Uh, Charlie Hunter writes in and says, Howdy, cohorts. By the way, the Kentucky Derby was this past weekend, so that means it's time for everybody's favorite game, Horse or Destiny. I'll give you a phrase, and you say horse if it's the name of a Kentucky Derby winning horse, or destiny if it's the name of an exotic weapon from Destiny 2. That's perfect. Here we go. Janet, war emblem. Is that a horse, or is that an exotic from Destiny? This is too hard. This is impossible. That was a horse. horse. The 2002 Kentucky Derby winner. All right, Sarah the horse girl herself. Bad juju. That's not. That's a Destiny weapon. That is a Destiny exotic pulse rifle. Yeah, you wouldn't rifle. want to race a horse with the name Bad Juju. <laughs> well, so you, you no lean into it so hard. No one's going to bet on that. All right, uh, Jeffem, behave yourself. And now for your prompt. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Comedy. Um, Destiny. That is the horse, the 1921 <sighs> Kentucky Derby winner. Come on, we got to remember the legends. Uh, needles, Janet. Horse. Horse, 1956. Malfeasance. 
Sarah. That's a destiny weapon. That's an exotic hand cannon. My God. Yeah. Uh, there's no way they're naming a horse malfeasance. Okay, Jeffem, real quiet. This feels like a trick question. Uh Horse. That is horse, 1998. Janet, Grand Overture. Destiny. That's right, the exotic heavy machine gun, of course. Sarah, Risk Runner. Please, I want it to be a horse. Please. So you are saying horse, just to be yes, clear. Yes, I'm saying horse because I want it to be a horse so I'm bad. I'm sorry, that is the exotic submachine gun from Destiny and Jeffem Thunder Gulch. Please be a horse. Both. That's That would be great. I'm sorry, this is only a horse. 1995 uh. Kentucky Derby winner. Thank you for writing in, Charlie Hunter. Excellent. Uh, what do y'all like for question of the week? We got Charlie Hunter with horse versus Destiny. We got the HP debate, of course. Oh. Whatever the ones where we all yelled at you are tend to be my yeah. favorite. Yeah, options. those do seem good. The video game town, I think, is excellent. The meeting that should have been an email, watching presentations together. What's everybody feeling? HP? In the HP. Okay. HP. Sarah, why the silence? What are you doing? No, no, that's fine. I like the HP one. <laughs> well, then say it out your mouth. <laughs> great. I love it. All right, great. Well, congratulations then to Bryce Blackmore. Uh, you just won a copy of The Pathless on PlayStation 5. Congratulations. Thanks, everybody, for submitting questions each and every week. Uh, now it's time for something that we call Get a Load of This. All right, here we go. Um... Oh, I can't go first because I have to prep some stuff. Uh, Janet, do you want to go first? Sure, get a load of this. Uh, the iPod is officially dead. It's the end of an era, and I want to shout out what? Um, what who happened? I'm. They're just like it's it's done. Like the iPod is no more. Um, I didn't realize it I, was still more. I didn't. It's just like kind of. It's kind of like in that um, the way of like when a console's like officially dead, even though it's like not relevant anymore. It's kind of like in that in that era. Um, and I want to shout out this article. I think. I'm kind of blanking on how I pronounce this name because I've only read it online, though I do follow them, so I'm sorry. I think it's Key, maybe? Um, from The Gamer, uh, wrote, looking back at the history of iPod clickwheel games. Uh, mm. Gaming on iPod devices wasn't really a popular pastime, and they kind of get into the sort of um, act of like playing on the iPod. You cool. know What became of those games, like which ones you know did or didn't have a future, and just... I, I also think it's a really interesting piece in the context of like kind of remembering that there were games on there. And I don't know how many like formal games I had on there, but I even remember just playing like the music games that they had where it was like almost like, you know, it's funny, this hurdle now where it's like Wordle, but for songs. And they had that version on your iPod. And I loved playing that game of where they take your own library and like you have to select the songs or match up the artists. Yeah. So. Well, I remember Harmonix had a game called Phase, which is kind of a spiritual successor to Frequency and Amplitude, which I liked a lot on that thing. Yeah, and I think it's um it's also funny in that I'm like, oh yeah, the click wheel for gaming. And I'm like, is that not the play date na- like now, you know? Um so I, I just think it's kind of fascinating and it's uh, a fun lens um on something that is generally tech, but I didn't really think of it as a gaming story and they kind of looked and and found one there. So shout out to that article. Yeah, there's a link below for everybody to check these out. Um hey, get a load of this. This is uh from a Twitter account called Post Bomberman. And uh, Tim Turry sent it my way. PlayStation's Tim Turry, of course. Um, There is a Bomberman anime, and this is a clip from the Bomberman anime, and you'll hear it start out with them talking, and then 
you'll 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 realize why I'm playing it. But this is an actual clip from the Bummerman anime. It is, yeah. They uh, they actually, the composer commented on a YouTube video. It turns out that they just fully ripped off the Seinfeld theme for this Bomberman anime for some reason. So, hey, link below, everybody. Good times. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, what do you got, man? I get a little of this. This is from IGN. Um, Cat Bailey did a special report called the Inside the Growing Discontent Behind Nintendo's Fun Facade. Um, and it's all about kind of how the work culture has changed there towards um, contract workers. And there's kind of this divide where contract workers are being treated like second class citizens. And it's, you're divided by what color badge you're wearing. And it's, um, it's incredibly in depth and kind of paints a picture. I mean, obviously it's, it's very negative news for Nintendo of America, but um, she, she does a really good job kind of, bringing personality to some of the people that she interviewed, like some of the contract workers and stuff. And she also has some quotes from Reggie in there about how it was different under his, his, um, convenient how that works. Yeah. Yeah. It's different when I was there. No further questions. Uh Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is a good article. Uh, But but it's definitely, everyone should give it a read because it's really good reporting. Yeah. Sarah, you got one? Yeah, get a load of this. Uh, a popular Final Fantasy XIV streamer was streaming a raid, and in the middle of it, he got banned. And I learned that when you get banned in Final Fantasy XIV, your character is teleported to a jail cell. Awesome. Like, you are physically removed and teleported to a jail cell, and a GM appears in front of you covered in purple smoke and tells you what you did wrong. And then I didn't realize this, but then you are banned. It is because the streamer was using third pot third party mods. Final Fantasy XIV has a lot of mods you can add on to it, yeah. but Square has been kind of cracking down on them recently. So because this person was openly streaming with them, like you could see them on the stream that he was using third party stuff, he got banned. But I just think it's so cool that they have a jail cell. That is cool. In the game that they will physically <laughs> teleport you to and That's describe good. your crimes. I love that. Yeah, that was a thing. We talked about in an interview not too long ago with somebody that worked on The Matrix Online, but that was a thing as well where, like, before you were banned in The Matrix Online, you were sent to, like, this weird... I, I forget if it was, like, the subway scene for Matrix Reloaded or Revolutions, I guess. You're just, like, stuck there, and then, like, an agent comes and talks to you. But I love that, like... Yeah, it's very fun where they incorporate the lore in some weird way for just a simple ban. Uh, did you take one from the Discord, Jeffum? Absolutely. Get a load of this. Uh, this one is from Tim, a.k.a. Talk9, and it's a tweet from um, a musician named Alex Mukala, and it's he plays Elden Ring's main theme in 15 styles in about two minutes. And That's it's awesome. worth a listen. That's cool. Oh, thank you. I mean, the fan watching us live at the backstage past here. Yeah, it was the interrogation room from The Matrix 1 where he loses his mouth. That's right. That's where The Matrix Online sent you. That's such a fun idea. Uh, thank you so much to everybody for watching or listening to this episode of the Min Max Show podcast. Thank you to everybody at the $50 tier over on Patreon, the Game Champion tier. You can choose any game under the sun, including people like 
uh, Mr. Nomer chose Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. They're officially the champion of Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker. Drew Waranis, uh, great choice, chose Space Harrier, the old Sega game. Out of every game under the sun, they're going with Space Harrier, which I love. Clemens Zobel chose Jade Empire from BioWare. Congratulations. Beating down Brian. Beating down Brian went with, of course, the classic uh, Dirge of Cerberus last time, but this time all in on Dirt Rally 2. Dirt Rally 2, beating down Brian is officially the game champion of. Choose any game, we declare you the champion, and then every couple months we do a big roundup and we have the game championship where we put all these games, pit them against each other to see which game comes out on top. And by the way, this last championship is over and the grand winner is Persona 5 Royal. Out of every game that people championed, Persona 5 Royal won the entire bracket system through a series of votes in the polls and all that fun stuff on Twitter. And so we are creating a one-off piece of content all about Persona 5 Royal with Thomas, who was the person who chose that, who nominated that and was the game champion for Persona 5. So we're going to be working with them and releasing that content soon. So check out our YouTube channel and Patreon exclusive podcast feed for a bonus video slash podcast all about Persona 5 Royal. It'll be a very fun time and there's going to be a number of contributors joining because it turns out the cohorts were not big Persona 5 Royal fans, but our contributors are. So look forward to that video, please. How dare you, sir? Right. We all appreciate it from a distance, but we're just not, you know, 150 hours invested level of uh, appreciating, I think. Um, hey, I mentioned it before, but please follow us on Twitch. Not only do you get a chance to win that Asteroid 40 headset, if you also retweet that tweet on our account, um, but also you can watch uh, the rest of our big live stream for Chibi Robo with Jeff Cork and Sarah Podorsky in the studio. Do you want to eat more pizza this time, Sarah? Should we have more food or is, is that too much? We can have more food, more okay. pizza. We can have more food. Please tune in. It'll be a food. fun time. It's fun. It's fun to stream in person. It's so, it genuinely weirds me out, Sarah. To like have you sitting at a table and be like, oh, it's weird seeing people in 3D, I guess is my point. It's weird like, oh, this is like Sarah's face as a real human. She's real. Yeah, it's a weird vibe that I guess we need to get used to if we're streaming from that studio. So yes, give us a follow on Twitch. It's Midmax Show. Check that out. Uh, other things, we had an interview go up on Monday with uh, two people from the art team on Final Fantasy IX. People are always asking us to do content for Final Fantasy IX. It's not the deepest dive, but uh, if you're interested in the development of Final Fantasy IX and how it all took place in Hawaii and then Squaresoft closing that studio after its development, or if you're interested in what it was like to actually work on Final Fantasy The Spirits Within, uh, you can check out that interview on our YouTube channel, and it's also available as a podcast in the Patreon-exclusive podcast feed, of course. Uh, we have Trivia Tower. Here's the thing. Trivia Tower. You can compete in if you're at the $2 tier on Patreon. You can win some great prizes, including another Asteroid 40 headset. Um, here's the situation. <laughs> you tell me what to make of this. Um, I believe the next episode of Trivia Tower is happening Monday, May 16th in the evening. So this would be 8 p.m. Central on Monday, May 16th. But the only reason I pause on that is I pitched that to a potential co-host and they said, yes, I'd love to do Trivia Tower. I'm, I'm totally down. But they have not confirmed that time yet. But right now, it seems like Trivia Tower is going to be happening on Monday. So if you've ever wanted to compete, you can jump in and compete this Monday. And we'll let you know if the time slips in some way. But we'd appreciate it if you jumped in there. Um, and if you don't like Deepest Dives or bonus podcasts or podcast versions of interviews or competing in Trivia Tower or chances to win a little stuff... Um, let us know what can we do to earn your support on Patreon. I feel like we're doing a lot. What's left? You let us know. We'd love to hear it. Um, thanks for joining me, everybody. Janet, Jeff, Sarah. 
This was yeah. great, sir. This mm-hmm. was nice. Um, Janet, were we too combative in this episode? No, we weren't combative enough. I agree. At some point, we need to just rip off the band-aid, just have the full... We have to at least lose 10 HP for leaving this podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's how it works. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening. We appreciate it, and we'll see you next week for a new episode of the podcast. Bye. I'm sorry, not bye. I mean, be good. Have fun. Let's go. Let's go.